Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeVoy. I'm the host of this show today. I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me here as a beautifully hot day on the plains. Fortunately, we are in, inside, but uh, we're going to have a fun show uh, with hopefully not too many hot takes, but uh, we're going to review the uh, offseason for the Auburn Tigers so far uh, in 2023, really the offseason about to come to a close, really get about to get in preseason mode. Uh, Justin Ferguson, the Auburn Observer, is going to join us in studio in the 4 o'clock hour, and uh, we're going to chop it up with him a little bit. We're also going to do, with Justin involved, a sports call report card where we kind of grade out Auburn football's off season and have some topics there, give them some grades from the, the off season and how they've done. Also have some thoughts on the College World Series coming to a close as LSU destroyed Florida in game three last night, almost equal to how Florida destroyed them in game two, but this one was for all the marbles. Talk a little baseball and of course whatever you want to talk about in the Auburn Bank phone line today at 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Before we get to that Auburn Bank phone line, I want to introduce my great co host starting with tom Peavy. how are you doing sir i i'm doing great glad to be back on the show i had to miss yesterday's show due to covering a shift at the old fat daddy's so uh i'm i'm good i'm a little tired uh we had a uh, two of our bartenders who were sisters were both out of town and so i was covering shifts um so between thursday and sunday i i worked 50 hours up there so i i'm exhausted but i'm still kicking still above dirt Still happy to be on the show. A lot to talk about. Uh, a great College World Series comes to an end last night. Uh, a great College World Series that ends uh, in back-to-back absolute blowouts. Uh, one blowout for uh, Florida and then the uh, championship blowout last night for the LSU Tigers who win the national championship. Uh, Braves still on a roll, so excited about that. And then, of course, we got Thunder Chickens tonight. Always excited. To Opening get day. That's we got, right. We're, of course, going to talk a little bit about that today. Always excited to get get back on the field and play a little softball. We've been previewing uh, yesterday. We previewed or, or talked a little bit about the release of the 2024 SEC men's basketball schedule. And, of course, a couple weeks earlier, we talked about the 2024 football schedule. So maybe we should hit on Thunder Chicken's schedule this year. How many, how many uh, back-to-backs do we have? Do we have to wait it out for an hour? All that good stuff. How many teams are going to run rule us? Good preview, maybe a little bit later in the show. Brooks Childress also on the show. Brooks, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Had a great weekend. Made it down to uh, Columbus uh, on Saturday and went to the uh, Columbus Chattahoots game, the Summer Woodbat League down there, and I had some fun uh, down there on Saturday night. And so had a, had a good weekend. And yeah, big uh, big win for the LSU Tigers and the, another national title. And they just 
it, it's a it's a good time to be an LSU fan. Uh, you won a na- football national championship in 2019, women's basketball championship this year, followed by a baseball championship. Uh, the only of the big four sports you haven't won, or I guess five, is, is softball hasn't won a national championship recently, and men's basketball hadn't won one. So I guess they're on the clock now to uh, going forward to, they're, uh, to get a national championship for, for LSU. But Big big win last night. Um, the Vats came alive over this whole uh, College World Series. I don't think uh, we've seen a College World Series much uh, with with the hitting power that's that was there. It showed off through the t- whole two weeks. They were the everybody was in Omaha. There was home runs popping out of that park every thirty seconds. It felt like, but big uh, big win last night. Big win last night for the Braves. That got home, uh, returned home against the Twins. I'm sure we'll talk some Braves baseball here. Coming up in a little bit, they continue their twin series tonight. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to get to all of our callers on the show, as usual. And uh, let's go ahead and get to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today to start things off. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, we've got uh, Jackson from Montgomery. Jackson, how are you doing today? Doing good. War Eagle, gentlemen. War Eagle. Uh, I'm leading off the show at the the big thing. Uh, it's kind of like LSU last night. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like LSU basically back-pitched Florida and allowed them to run up the score. And honestly, I thought Florida showed a classless display stealing 15 up. I think they were still stealing bases and running up the score. And, you know, honestly, as a traditional old-school fan, if you run it up, usually get humbled real quick. What, what was y'all's thoughts on game three last night for LSU? Yeah, no, I unfortunately I, I did not stick to either game's uh, conclusion because they both got so far out of hand. I definitely kept up with the score to make sure that Florida was not uh, mounting any sort of comeback and LSU kept pulling away. I, I think that we saw all the extremes of college baseball over the course of this series. We saw the very close, epic game in game one, which is kind of, in a way, the deciding game because then we saw uh, two blowouts, one for, for either team. And I think if you're in LSU's position in game two, I certainly think that you could have forwarded once you went down several runs to – to throw some of your lesser arms because you know that you're going to have all hands on deck for game three, and, and this one was kind of a lost cause. But for Florida to, to struggle pitching-wise so early on, I mean, obviously they, they had to try and keep doing what they could to stay in the game, but LSU just kept uh, stretching the lead further and further, and that was after Florida got out to a 2 nothing lead in the first inning. So, you know, I think that LSU for them, not that ever in the sport of baseball do I want to expect teams to just win championships because there's a lot of randomness to it, but this was the team that preseason everyone was in love with. They had a lot of talent. They had a lot of expectations, and they were number one for a lot of the year until kind of around that Auburn series where Auburn knocked them off. So this is not uh, a no-brainer decision, I guess, because they did ultimately drop from number one, and, and there were some other great teams out there. But if you told someone before the year LSU was going to win the title, uh, very few people would have been surprised about that. I agree totally. And uh, I felt like Auburn was kind of a reverse uh, theory. They went into the season, they struggled, and then they decided to catch fire. And then as soon as we get the tournament play at host, it felt like that fire just dwindled where we were, I believe, defeated by Southern Miss, if I was correct. Yes, that was the uh, second loss. Yep. Unfortunate. But a good college World Series, a good season for college baseball overall, in my opinion. I thought it was a pretty decent season. 
another thing, I'm I'm big into the uh, NBA, and you know, trade talks is very big uh, around this time. And I think for me, at least, I'm a big Miami Heat fan. You know, just a crushing blow, but honestly, an eight seed making it to the finals was well over the projected judgment or the outcome. But the trade talks of Lillard and Harden have overcast this trade by the Atlanta Hawks that's been bugging me. They traded John Collins, and I believe a second – no, they traded John Collins for Rudy Gay and a second-round pick. I believe it was the Utah Jazz. And my question is, John Collins was on the trade block for three years, and his value was up there with a first-round, maybe two first-round picks. Why do you think Atlanta held out with him for so long and ended up basically getting swindled for his value? Yeah, I think it was uh, obviously, as you said, I mean, it was one of the favorite trade machine items was to put John Collins in there and and, and see what would happen because it, it has been a couple of years where he's been on the block. And look, I think at the time, especially if we're talking two years ago when Atlanta made that conference finals run, you usually don't the first time you make a deep run like that, you don't want to do too much to the roster. You you, you want to try and make a tweak because you believe, okay, well, the core is young. Collins was still incredibly young. Trey Young was, no pun intended, very young. I mean, you had a very uh, young core of players there. It was kind of unlike the situation where the Hawks had gone in the conference finals a decade ago with Corver and Millsap and Teague and, and all those guys. So I, I think that – for them, they wanted to see the growth of how they would all grow together. Now, obviously, these last two years, they, they took a clear couple of steps back. And so what happens with the NBA and what kind of happened, too, and I think you could talk about this with the Bradley Beal scenario, is that teams were trying to get the most out of those guys rather than just think about the hard truth of a rebuild or or maybe a, a swapping of assets. And so for Atlanta, you know, they've got so many guys that I think are on a similar caliber of player. And Collins has kind of faded from a clear second option from them to kind of in that muck of three, four, five guys that are all kind of that similar caliber of player. And so for them, you know, they got the mandate from the owner that they wanted to cut some salary, get out of the luxury tax, which is a concern for some, but not all teams, but clearly a concern for Atlanta. So it's obviously disappointing to see if you're an Atlanta fan, the, the, Two years of, of talks culminate in just basically a second-round pick because I don't even know if Rudy Gay's really got much left. So uh, I, it is clearly disappointing. I do think they needed to shake up some things, but obviously it's not very attractive. It's never going to be attractive for fans to just essentially do a, a salary dump the way that the Hawks just had to do. I agree totally. Do you believe Trey Young will remain in Atlanta for the future, or do you think he will go out to L.A.? He just purchased the house out in L.A. There have been talks, but I'm not sure. What, what is your opinion on it? I think that for, for for the Hawks' side of things, they're going to want Trey Young for a very long time. For Trey's side of things, as with any superstar, it's going to depend on the trajectory of, of the franchise. I don't. We'll, we'll see a little bit more about Trey Young as he ages, as he gets to late 20s instead of the, the mid-20s that he's approaching now. But I think I, I can see Trey Young being the type of guy to ask out at some point. Absolutely. There's very few in the NBA that are stars that don't ask out at some point. Damian Lillard is doing this song and dance right now where one day it's momentum growing towards he might ask for the trade. One day he says, oh, no, I don't want to build a super team. I want to do it with my own team. So 
I, I think other than Lillard, you've seen just about every other situation for a star player pan out towards movement at some point. So I think the likelihood is, because I do not see Atlanta as a title threat next year, I think those those pressures will only grow as time goes on. And so uh, Atlanta will have a difficult choice, but they may not. Uh, it may not even be much of a choice for them if Trey obviously asked for a trade. So I'd say another year or two for sure he'll be in the Hawks uniform, but uh, I, I'm saying I'm thinking after two more years, if the Hawks don't have any positive momentum, if they're still around a play-in level team, then I do expect him to eventually ask out. I agree. I can see that. And I just want to mention one more thing. I don't want to hold up the line and talk y'all's ear off. Uh, do you see Wendy, the rookie out of the Spurs, the French, you know, Wendy Yama, do you see his game translating over from the France EuroLeague to the NBA? Yeah, I think it translates because you can't teach 7-5 and you can't teach some of the athleticism that he has. I think that obviously we always talk about with freaks of nature like that, can he stay healthy all the time and, and that sort of thing. And I saw the, the funny video circulating him missing a bunch of 15-foot shots in an open gym, which was funny. But uh, ultimately, you know, the, the size will be interesting because on one hand he's very lean, so will he get moved around a little bit? Will others try to? to try to go at him in the post. But on the other hand, he's 7'5", and, and he's just going to block stuff anyway. He's going to be able to turn over guys. That, think of a Draymond Green. He's about a foot taller than someone like Draymond Green who would be playing him in the post. So uh, he's going to be able just to turn around and, and lay some stuff up over guys with, with minimal effort. So, you know, it, it is a fascinating thing because he is such a big deal. He's such a big prospect. I've heard a lot of people talk about can the Spurs build a playoff team right now in year one, which may be a little too jumping the gun, but I do think his game will translate. I think we're seeing more and more of the Europeans be be great in the NBA, and, and Wimbignana has some things that you just can't teach. So if he stays healthy, he's going to be great. We'll see how great, but but he will, uh, he will at minimum, no matter what his offense game, he'll be an excellent defensive player because with the, his size and his ability to move, I mean, that, that – at bare minimum, there's no way he busts out on defense. He's going to be a great defender, and then we'll see how honed the, the, the post stuff is and if he can get that three ball going in the NBA. I agree. I just hope uh, we don't have a Chet Holgram scenario. You know, those skinny, yeah. lean guys, they just – I don't know if they can't just put on weight or just their size, but I agree. You can't see 7'5". Uh, I appreciate you all taking my call at War Eagle, gentlemen. Absolutely, Jackson. Appreciate that phone call. That is Jackson from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Good to hear from Jackson today and first-time caller into the show. We're going to take our first break of the show today. When we come back, we'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. Busy phone lines so far, so let's go right back to them. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us now. James, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that um, everybody's been talking about the LSU National Championship uh baseball team congratulations to LSU they really uh they really proved it in Omaha they really proved a a great team and um I hope they have uh, another national championship to their uh trophy case as well yeah they were they were dominant in that uh series clinching game last night and and they were a really good team from start to finish with some incredible players that we're going to see in major league baseball very soon Yes, I saw because, I mean, I was rooting for Florida, but, you know, Florida, the first two rounds of the the College World Series, I knew first round, uh, I knew that the first round, I knew it wasn't going to go in favor of Florida, and then the second round wasn't going to go in favor of Florida, and then the third round, I thought Florida was going to make a a huge, a huge turnaround, but they just, um, I guess they just lost a lot of momentum in in the uh in the tournament as well and it just fell off they they just fell off and and i think florida might make make a huge uh bounce back next year in 2024 as well yeah they still were uh still a very great season this year and came into the tournament as the number two team in the country technically finished as the number two team in the country and they had gotten a lot of momentum from that huge blowout in Game 2, and they even scored first in Game 3, but you got to credit LSU for keeping composure, staying aggressive, and, and putting on a show at the plate. Yes, that's a lot. And then if you know LSU, their national championship uh, contenders, and I can actually put some, some great players uh, that actually won the national championship. Um, first person I've known when – they were talking about the national championship that LSU won. It has to be Joe Burrow. You know, he he won the national championship with LSU, and um, AJ, a, Angel uh, Reese won the national championship with LSU. And now you can actually add um, the men's baseball team to that um, to that category as well. But how they actually um, how those how those men actually were you know pointing to their fingers and saying hey they need a ring i mean that that's just what i said back here about a week ago of angel uh reed i mean that that's bad sportsmanship on on lsu's part they i mean if i was the player and won the national championship i wouldn't just be you know you know showing off you know pointing to my finger and saying hey i need a ring no it's a team effort it's a team sport and, you know, some of these uh, universities need to actually, you know, look at that and just say, you know, if you're going to win a, a national championship or get a ring, let the whole entire team, you know, celebrate with you. It's just not it's just not that one individual that's going to celebrate because, oh, they they won the national championship. It doesn't work that way in sport. I mean, it's a team effort. Everybody gets their chance to win. Yes, and everyone everyone did get a ring from that. I know the celebration there on the court was, was just with Reese, but everyone ended up celebrating together and, and getting rings after uh, after the, the, the game ended. So that was just an individual celebration. Still 
while the game was going on. But everyone did get a ring, and everyone did eventually get to celebrate. And, James, we're hoping to celebrate tonight because the Thunder Chickens get underway. Uh, and uh, do you have any predictions for us or any encouraging words? Um, well, actually, I do have some encouraging words for you all. I wish I was a player. Um, I might play with y'all in 2024 if that's okay. If y'all can leave me a spy open for next season. Uh, that is very possible, yeah. I mean, we, we've got a lot of time to plan for it then. But, yes, 2024, it's possible. All right. Um, my, my most encouraging words before I get to all the other sports that I have and Fourth uh, of July uh, trivia as well, um, just – be ourselves and uh, just work as uh, as a team and um, hit home runs as well. Do you think Tom Peavy will hit a home run tonight? Um, actually, well, with Tom, is he is he in the studio? Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm here. Well, uh, Tom, I know y'all are playing tonight, so uh, just look at some uh, highlights from uh, some of the previous uh, Major League Baseball players out there, like Dusty uh, Sabathia. Uh, Mark Pena, um, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, you know, uh, many, many Hall of Famers and, and just, you know, write down like ideas and just, you know, look over the highlights and, and just idolize yourself from those highlights as well. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. That's some good stuff right there. Yeah. I've got two more quick questions for you about the Thunder Chickens, James. So, uh, J.J. Jackson is our pitcher, so what would you say to him about trying to be a great pitcher? Um, Actually, look at some uh, – well, with my great friend, J.J. Jackson, he can look at some highlights from uh, his team. Uh, I don't even know if he has a Major League Baseball team. Uh, yeah, he's a big Atlanta Braves fan. Okay, so he could look at like uh, some guys that used to play back in the day. Like um, one of my favorite guys I used to watch growing up with the Atlanta Braves because I'm a Texas Rangers fan. Um, he could look at like, um, uh, let's see, uh, a Hall of Famer that played in um, Atlanta. I'll probably say like uh, Chipper Jones. Uh, he, he was a great pitcher, great batter. So he could look at some Chipper Jones. Uh, highlights from his day, his playing days at, in Atlanta, and um, actually, you know, getting getting some uh, you know ways of how to actually throw the ball and you know work on his hand eye coordination as well. I'm not trying to be rude or anything because I know that's my best friend. I don't want to you know throw him under the bus without a life preserver. I still love JJ as a friend, so I'm just saying like he can get like some. And I coordination, go to Walmart and get like some tennis balls and uh, toss it against the wall, and uh, you know, actually, that that would be a really good uh, a really good thing to actually start on his uh, pitching, um, you know, persona, or just to work work some um, some arm workouts as well. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. No, we we give JJ some some crap sometimes too so he does have some things to work on and i, I like that and uh you know of course the the chipper jones part of it great hitter so we maybe think about like john smoltz or greg maddox something like that but uh uh we love it james and my final question about the thunder chickens is i believe we have a 12 game schedule this year so what do you think our record's going to be or what do you want our record to be um i want our record because i'm a i'm a fan of thunder chicken so um i'll probably say our record will be this year it will go I'll say 12 and 6. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we uh, again, 12-game schedule, so you're going to have to cut it off at 12 games. But there will be playoffs, so hopefully we get to play three or four additional playoff games too. 
Yes, as well. And then maybe uh, next year, if y'all want to, you know, set up like in uh, downtown Montgomery at Riverwalk Stadium, I, I mean, that's more than welcome to. And, uh, you know, that will be pretty much when uh, the biscuits are like off season. And um, it's a really good uh, stadium. And, uh, you know, I can be out there because it's in my hometown and I can be the first, maybe like, maybe close to like the third um person in the in the lineup of twenty twenty four and uh actually uh wearing somebody's uh jersey number that plays with the Auburn um women's basketball team as well. Interesting, gotcha. Uh, well you know, I don't know if we'll ever get to play in Montgomery since it's a city of Auburn uh softball there, but uh we'll we'll see. We'll see if they take the show on the road. What number would you want to wear? Um I would uh, there's so many um, Auburn players that I've actually met in person. Um, I don't know any anybody that wears like a good solid number from the women's basketball team. If y'all can actually help me out, that would be very interesting. Like with the name. Uh, yeah, I think Brooks is is getting on that. What position would you play? Um, I'll probably play like uh, third third baseman. Okay, third base. All right. Third base if uh, if James is a Thunder Chicken next year. All right, James, well, what else do you got for us today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at um, some uh, in NBA free agency and uh, seeing what teams would um, need the help. And I'm uh, thinking um, I haven't heard anything about my Dallas Mavericks, so we don't need any help right now. So that's uh, lockdown. Um, I know uh, LA need uh, the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers. They need help with uh, LeBron James. Uh, I know they're going to be a, a great team to actually play in next year's NBA Finals. And uh, seeing if that team would actually do good this year. I mean, not this year, but next year, because I know the season won't start until next next year in 2024 so uh, that's why I was saying next year as well gotcha yeah uh, now I think with the with the Los Angeles teams they are looking to add somebody at some point but uh, obviously the Lakers were, were pretty close this year and then for the Mavericks they do have some cap space now so I'd be interested to see mm-hmm. if they try and sign a, uh, a good free agent or, or two yeah so we're actually um, with uh, me and Mark Cuban um, I actually tweet him from time to time, and uh, you know we're we're actually looking at like Kyle Larry, uh, Draymond Green, Chris Bosh, uh, those guys that might want to might want to get uh, a huge trade in from uh, you know from their team to come to Dallas as well. Because I know with Kevin Green, I know he he's looking uh, very hard at. at some other teams as well. Yeah, so uh, Draymond Green is is a possibility. I, I, I admittedly hope he stays in Golden State, but that is possible. Chris Bosh is retired, so that one would be a little bit uh, a little bit difficult to ask him out of retirement. But uh, yeah, and I, and I think uh, Grant Williams would be another name from from Boston that could be a possibility for for the Mavericks. So uh, we'll just have to see. Yes, as well, and um, I'm actually going to be looking at. Uh, some NFL news because I know the the NFL season is right around the corner. It's uh, starting off in 
August. I'm actually doing a uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony uh, weekend party. Um, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be wearing my Dallas Cowboys uh, jersey with Tony Romo and uh, waiting for the game and uh, seeing some some great uh, history between these two uh, franchise teams in the NFL. Which Cowboy do you think will be the next Cowboy to make the Hall of Fame? Um, I would actually have to say that would be – I'm looking at Dak Prescott and Michael Parsons. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely think Micah Parsons is is uh, off to a Hall of Fame start. He'll obviously have to do it for a long time. And then Prescott, a little tougher. Uh, he does put up, put up some big numbers, but he's got a, a hump that he's got to get over to, to try and be one of the league's top quarterbacks. So we shall see. Any, uh, any final thoughts for us today, James? Um, I don't have any final thought, but um, I'll just probably call back tomorrow with some more uh, NASCAR news because I know we're right around the corner. Uh, so a big uh, NASCAR weekend on July the 1st, 2nd in Chicago, Illinois, which I'm going to be watching that one as well. And my heart as a NASCAR fan, my heart do go out to uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer. Uh, great driver. I've been knowing this driver for years since I was a little kid. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, I wish he has a... Um, you know, a speedy recovery. I know I know how hard it is of losing somebody that you love for so many, many years. And I would love to see him back in uh, NASCAR real soon. Yeah, a real tragedy there with uh, his in-laws and a possible uh, double murder-suicide. And uh, really, uh, really awful circumstance there for sure. And he's uh, backed out of this Chicago street race, as you can imagine. But, uh, yeah, tomorrow, James, we can absolutely talk more about the Chicago street race. Yes, as well. And then I would uh, touch on, on tomorrow with the uh, 4th of July trivia uh, quiz. I'll touch on more uh, information on the suicide um, thing as well because I, I had so many um, friends I've lost along the way. And, um, you know, it, I will touch on that as well and, um, you know, get that information uh, a light to be shed out on on that as well. All right, James. Well, we hope you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk again tomorrow. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take another timeout. Back with more sports call right after this. Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress. Had some Thunder Chickens talk there with James. Hope more to come. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll be giving updates. <laughs> we'll be giving updates. They'll be bad, but we'll be giving updates. <laughs> 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. I uh, just wish I was as uh, fast as uh, the Flash is. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing very well, but we're also moving slower uh, and not quite like the Flash. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I'd give you guys a, a rest and a break from me yesterday so I went and saw uh, the Flash uh, with my daughter. Uh, I know I think you you did say you saw it, right, Ryan? I did this weekend with my parents. Okay. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. And it's not a movie that uh, I think a TV just uh, does justice to it with all the uh, special effects. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it. I know it's gotten some uh, criticism online and that sort of thing, and it's certainly not a perfect movie, but I did enjoy it. All right, moving on. Tom? Yes. Uh, I was just entertained, uh, to say the least, uh, with your wacky Wednesdays. I finally uh, made the time to listen to all the uh, items that you had on there, and uh, some of them are what I call... Uh, you know, truth is stranger than fi- uh, fiction is stranger than the truth. Oh, yeah. That, that's what we uh, love doing know, those. Did not know that Mary Shelley kept her husband's heart. In her desk uh, drawer. In her desk drawer until she died. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think it would last very long uh, uh, in an uh, un- unprepared uh, condition, but that, that was uh, crazy. And uh, uh, I did not know that, uh, was it Peter the Gray, I think you said, kept her... Uh, uh, his wife's ex, uh, I guess, a uh, fair lover, uh, decapitated head uh, in a jar uh, in their bedroom. Is that right? Yeah, he uh, uh, he beheaded her her uh, mistress and and put his head in a jar and kept it and made her look at it every day that, so she would understand uh, her infe- infidelity. Wow, uh, can't put a damper on any kind of romantic atmosphere in the bedroom there. <laughs> Well, what do you guys think? Uh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I guess uh, it, it lends a lot of credence to uh, he literally lost his head. Uh, yeah. All right, moving on. Ryan, I loved your comment. Uh, Tom, I didn't know this either because, uh, obviously, I was around when Lyndon Johnson was our president. But uh, when you said duty to call, I thought maybe you meant duty to call. <laughs> well, he- I can't believe this. He was sitting on a toilet. Uh, to continue their meeting. Yeah, yeah. He, he was apparently known to to be on the throne while he uh, engaged in official White House business. Okay, I wouldn't want to hear so many of those uh, noises. Multiple businesses going on at yeah, once. Yeah, exactly. He's a yeah, multitasker. Okay. <laughs> multitasker. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, uh, guys. Uh, about the other uh, World Series, I'm thankfully it is over and done with. But I when I saw the score. Saturday night. Wait a minute. I said, oh, is this a football score? And they broke the record. It's the all-time record right for uh, most runs scored by a team, 24. Yes. Yeah, and, set the record. And then, and then after that, I said, well, it's, it looks like, you know, that uh, Florida has their number. What well, was I wrong, right? Yeah. It, it was definitely a uh, definitely a turnaround. A yep. Yeah, complete 180. How do you – in fact, I thought that – so the game three was going to be a real tight game, you know, like 
you know, like for a Friday night's game was, like four to three, or a Saturday night's game, yeah, I thought it would be a real, real close one. Where did I think wrongly on that? I, I, well, I'll tell you this. This is where things got out of hand. Um, Florida. So student nothing, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was student nothing, Florida. Um, Florida, that the pitcher that Florida had in there, all of a sudden just really struggled with his control. He he could not find the strike zone to, to save his life. And you get runners on base, and then that pressure mounts, and then you hit a batter, and then you walk a batter, and eventually you start trying to just get get the ball over the plate. It's like, and that's what the coaches are telling him. It's like, listen, get it over the plate. At least let them put it in play. But we can't you, we can't keep walking guys and hitting batters, and and you can't be afraid of these guys like Dylan Cruz and all. It's like, listen, throw it to them, throw them, make them put it in play, and they did that. Well. LSU put it in play and just kept finding the gaps everywhere that everywhere that they could. They were finding those gaps, and, and that it that's a credit to LSU. I mean, they they the 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 wildness of some of the pitching forced Florida to start really just putting them right over the plate, and LSU did a great job hitting them. All right, so that's what happened. Well, I'm just glad it's over and done with. All right, yeah. and finally, guys, on a uh, rather humorous note here, I'll leave with this one. A uh, real happy Gilmore, apparently uh, a rising senior at Bloomington South High School, uh, who's ranked 481st in the Golf Week Boys Junior Rankings, has committed to play uh, at college at Ball State University. Yep, he sure uh, did. He's also played uh, on U.S. Kids Tour events, and he's competed in the Hurricane National Championships. He was named Player of the Year in 2020. Um, do you know what his real name is? I don't. I don't. Landon Gilmore. Okay. okay, so we still got the Gilmore in there. Okay. Landon yeah. Happy Gilmore. And guess who congratulated him on his time to play Ball State? Uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah, he tweeted, go get him, Happy. Only <laughs> for you. So with that said, guys, that's all I've got for today. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Mr. Ferguson and his comments. And, uh, you know, these, these prediction guys are getting outlandish, you know. Of these early, you know, like who has uh, the toughest schedule? Who has? Uh, how can you know who has the toughest schedule? Just because of these preseason rankings. Uh, uh, what if Alabama, well, you know, or Georgia loses some of the star players? Uh, then maybe they're not as tough as we might have thought they were, right? Yeah, I mean, like some of these teams will underperform. I mean, I'm sure Alabama and Georgia will still be great, but you know, teams like LSU and Tennessee, who we Anticipate on being good could end up having uh, a different year or that sort of thing, but we still kind of do our best to kind of formulate, you know, you know who would be tougher in theory. And yes, t- the true answer to that does not happen till the end of the season when we see how everyone played uh, for sure. But I still think that we can get at least a fair assessment on it, at least for this year. Now, when we were doing that with the twenty twenty four schedule. Uh, the other week, then yeah, that that gets even tougher and, and things can change. But, uh, you know, it's still banter for us and, you know, just on paper trying to use history and, and, and recent success and that sort of thing. It's a fun exercise. I, I suspect, or maybe not, you've seen uh, Vegas odds, total win odds for us? Seven. I think seven is what most folks are having. Oh, did you? Okay, I, saw, I saw six and a half. Uh, I mean, well, that's going to give you seven. I mean, pretty, pretty much every prediction out there is Auburn with seven wins. Yeah, and uh, have you seen ESPN's notorious and infamous and so dang wrong uh, total wins record for us? I, no, no. I'm assuming it was like six or seven. Six and six. 
Six to six. Yeah. And, and well, wow. the, thing, the thing is, I mean, that is definitely possible. I personally think Auburn's going to be better than that because uh, I think the quarterback situation is in better hands as long as it stays healthy. I think offensive line is in better hands. Uh, and, and you've gotten some receivers that have come in, in to uh, add some good depth and some guys that are going to see playing time. So, I, you know, my thing is this. Let them, let them say six and six. Let everybody think it's going to be six wins or seven wins. That's usually when Auburn – uh, surprises folks and ends up having that ten win type season. So yeah, yeah. Keep 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 downplaying and keep underestimating. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I like it for now. However, you know, my my hope is eventually, if I live hopefully longer, is that I'd like for us to not have to be the underdog. I'd like for us to be the one that is uh, constantly being chased. Uh, I'd like for us to have a target on our back that says. Okay, you know, historically, we always play better, you know, when we're the underdog. I don't want to be dismissed. I don't want to be uh, discounted. Do you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, and yeah, we want to be in a situation like Alabama's in and like Georgia's in, uh, like LSU is going to be. LSU is not going to be an underdog in many of their games this year. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously where you want to be. uh, But you just got to give it time because – uh, I mean, things went way, way downhill, and you just got to give Hugh Freeze a chance to to do his thing and get the players in here. Uh, it, it's already looking like there's another five star receiver that Auburn has uh, gotten crystal balled uh, as being the selection. So there's the potential of having a, a five star wide receiver come in here. There's still the potential of flipping a five star wide receiver that's committed to Alabama right now. There's several guys out there. That, that are looking at coming to Auburn. And so just uh, let Hugh Freeze and, and that staff do their work and get the players here, and then that will all eventually come true to where you become favored in all of these games instead of the underdog. Yeah, I just I got weary of being, you know, uh, historically, after season of season, you know, uh, the happy Gilmore football, uh, college football. Okay, guys, hey, thank you for your time. And uh, I don't know about you guys, I'm looking forward to uh, the new uh, Indiana Jones. Yes, I know that uh, Brooks definitely is an Indiana yeah. Jones fan, so he'll be he'll be out to that soon. All right. Well, that said, guys, thanks for your time. My time is way, way up. So I uh, look forward to listening to Mr. Ferguson's comments, and uh, we'll uh, do our best to harass y'all guys uh, tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate your phone call as always. That's retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, Tama alluding to during that phone call, uh, Cam Coleman got a Coleman. got a. Crystal ball to Auburn. That's the five star from from Phoenix City that Auburn's been hard after for a while, but uh, still a long way to go with that. Well, but how nice would it be to finally get one of those five star receivers from Central Phoenix City yeah, that you've just been sure. missing on, you know, the likes of a Justin Ross and some of these others that you just continually miss on. Absolutely, got a few minutes left here in hour number one. So before we end the hour, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports today. We start off with Bobby Wagner, who turns 33, linebacker with the Seattle Seahawks, originally drafted by the Seahawks in the second round out of Utah State. Go Aggies. He is a Super Bowl champion, six-time first-team All-Pro, and eight-time Pro Bowler, member of the NFL 2010's All-Decade team. During his career, over 1,500 tackles and 29 and a half sacks. And he is from Ontario, California, where he attended Colony High School. Go Titans. Okay, Titans. Yep, okay, Colony uh, Titan Titans. That's a pretty fearsome name, yeah. Colony Titans. Okay, you don't want to run into a bunch of Titans. So. No. Okay, I got a better one coming up. All right, Bobby Wagner turns thirty-three today. 
Jim Edmonds turns 53, former center fielder. Edmonds most famously was with the St. Louis Cardinals, well-known for his defensive abilities, earning eight Gold Glove Awards. Prolific hitter as well, with a .284 batting average and 393 homers in his career. Four-time All-Star, a World Series champion, and Silver Slugger Award winner. In 2014, Edmonds was inducted into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. Out of Diamond Bar High School, Diamond Bar, California, go Brahmas. Diamond Bar Brahmas. The Diamond doesn't even sound like a high school team. Yeah, the Diamond Bar Brahmas. Yeah, that sounds like a USFL team. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Jim Edmonds turns 53 today. Jordan Alvarez turns 26, currently a Houston Astro, considered to be one of the best power hitters in the league. Originally signed by the Los Angeles Dodgers, but was traded to Houston. That was a mistake. Since then, he already uh, is a World Series champion at ALCS MVP, first team All MLB and AL Rookie of the Year. Has hit 115 homers and 338 RBIs in his young career. Yep. So uh, before he came to the U.S., he was a part of the Cuban National Series in his native Cuba before he uh, got out of there. And he played for Leña Dores de las Tunas. Yes. Translated to English, that is the Las Tunas Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Whoa. Okay, yeah, we got some we got some different names yeah. here today. It's going to be tuna. Las tunas <laughs> lumberjacks. The tuna. No, I'm just kidding. Jordan Alvarez turns 26 today. And Chuck Person turns 59, former Auburn Tiger. War Eagle. Born in Brantley, Alabama. Go Bulldogs. He was the most prolific scorer in <laughs> Auburn basketball history. Person was a four-year letter winner at Auburn from 1982 to 1986, helping the team to the Auburn's first three NCAA appearances, including a trip to the Elite Eight in 1986. He also helped Auburn win the 1985 SEC Tournament, for which he was named Tournament MVP. In 1985, he was named USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Person was selected fourth overall by the Indiana Pacers in 1986, where he was the NBA Rookie of the Year. His number 45 retired by Auburn. The Rifleman Chuck Person turns 59 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Bobby Wagner, 33. Jim Edmonds, 53. Jordan Alvarez, 26. And Chuck Person, 59. Just a minute or two left in this hour. Again, coming up, not exactly at the start of hour number two, but in the 4 o'clock hour, Justin Ferguson will join us. Kind of recap some of this Auburn offseason. Recap the... Uh, we'll do a little segment and give a report card for Auburn this offseason. We'll also uh, talk to him a little bit about the, the future, too, with the, get his thoughts. It's been a month or so since we talked to him about the 2024 uh, SEC schedule and realignment and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but, uh, again, just a minute or so left in this hour. Had a good string of phone calls. And if you missed anything, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. And join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. That will do it for the first hour of the program. Stay tuned. A lot more fun in hour number two, including Justin Ferguson. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two starting right now of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. On this Tuesday, coming up in a little bit, Justin Ferguson will join us of the Auburn Observer, kind of review some of the off-season stuff for Auburn this year, also look ahead to next season. Uh, we talked briefly about in hour number one, uh, Florida being destroyed by LSU. I saw the ratings for that, got a three-point-something million to watch that uh, <laughs> painful ordeal for Florida on national TV, so... We kind of had this thing this year where, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, a lot of the favorites ended up winning. Like We didn't have a, a whole lot of surprise champions. I think the biggest one I thought of was UConn because they were about a four seed. Yeah. And, but, you know, they had their moments in the top ten throughout the season. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it's certainly on the, on the more surprising side of things, comparatively speaking. But, you know, it, it was a little different to – see that part of it. The other champions, though, like, hey, shocker that, that Georgia ended up winning a title yeah. this year. Hey, shocker that LSU, the team that, that got Tommy White, won a title. Yeah. Even going to the NFL, uh, you had Kansas City. Hey, shocker, Patrick Mahomes won a title. You know, basketball, I guess, a little surprising. It was the one seed. It was the Denver Nuggets, though. I just feel like we've had a lot of champions that, not too surprising, kind of the the high favorites, and to some degree, not even the most entertaining uh, sort of stuff when you think about uh, some of these series being wrapped up a little quicker. Georgia just took every horned frog in a 100-mile <laughs> radius and removed it from the stadium, and uh, you had a five-game NBA series. Again, you had a lot of stuff. You had this end up being a blowout. I don't know. I'm just saying of all these titles, a lot of them – lack the extra-level entertainment that we'd been so spoiled with, it felt like, for the last several years. Yeah, uh, that and, and a lot of – I've actually got the entire list of national of national champions pulled up in front of me. And if you go through here, it's it's a lot of the same uh, – the, the usual suspects. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, some of them were a little bit different, but a lot of them were the same folks that are always there. And, uh, it, you know, it, it, I guess sometimes it just it's what it is yeah. when it, especially when you come to college, you know. I mean, and, Texas A&M won the meat judging national championship. Felt, felt mean, like a favorite. Nobody, in that. nobody judges meat better than the Aggies. <laughs> Dynasty. Kansas State won the crop judging national championship. I mean, apparently nobody judges crops as good as the Wildcats out there in Manhattan, Kansas. I would have liked Wichita State's chances in that, but I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. put it in their logo a little bit. Apparently, they like crops in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> 
And to tell you know, when you, you look at you know, we brought this up because of LSU's win last night. You D one baseball quote tweeted a tweet that they had back in January and they asked every program in the country uh, who they thought would win the 2023 Men's College World Series. There's 261 D- Division I baseball teams. 139 coaches said LSU. Oh, that's 261. <laughs> Over half. Over half of them said LSU at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And again, for a sport that can produce a wider range of outcomes than, than your normal deal, too. That's what's so impressed about it. I mean, right. they were preseason number one. They were number one most of the year. Wake Forest yep. came up and took over that number one. And then just the way Wake Forest was playing, you really kind of thought Wake Forest might have something there, but sure, they didn't make it. So, yeah. Good good run for LSU athletics, man. They're uh, and and according to this, they are also the Jello Shot national champions. Uh, that that they are. Uh, we're now going to bring leave it up to Big Game Boomer to come up with that. We're now going to bring on our good friend of the program, someone we've interviewed throughout the entirety of the season, Justin Ferguson, Auburn Observer, now joining us in studio, wearing a Hall of Fame shirt. Let me, let me yeah, tell you, Brooks is a huge varsity guy, so that's a Hall of Fame hat. Too, point, points have already been won there. How are you, Ferg? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing. Well. Well, how are you guys? Uh, doing quite well. I don't think that I've uh, made a trip as long as you have in the summer. Uh, I think that would be Man, fair I'd to be say. Surpri- I'd be surprised if you did. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, I've also never been on a plane before, so that also oh, kind of ruled me. Yeah, never, never. Wow. Never been on a plane. No. That's, that's incredible. Wow. I know. And there was, there was a possibility I was going to go to New York this summer okay. and take in a Yanks game, and it did not come to fruition. So gotcha. still no plane for me. See, I always, I always make the joke, up until I was 21 years old, I had never been on a plane. Between the age of 21 and 22, I was on 24 different flights. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, got, you got on it. You found no, found something you enjoyed. I, well, I mean, I, I, just had to, I was having to fly up to Madison, Wisconsin uh, once a month, and so that's a flight from Atlanta to Chicago, Chicago to Madison, and then same back. It got so much that when I would get on the uh, plane in Chicago to go to Madison, they they recognized me. And they're like, "Hey, Tom, welcome back." <laughs> I was like, "Man, this is frightening." When the flight attendants know me by name, by fir- I'm on a first name basis with the flight attendants. I've been on here so much. That's how it is in the uh, Tampa area hotel I stay at uh, for for Bucks games now. Yeah, they uh, they couple of them know me by name. Yep. And it's it's a pleasant experience, but also tells me, wow, I I travel more than the yeah. average person down here. Uh, but Justin Ferguson in here. Uh, we're going to go through some of the uh, the items of the off season for Auburn. Also, uh, for going to get your thoughts in a little bit on the the twenty twenty four schedule because we can't even just process everything for the next few months. We got to skip ahead to a whole another year. But uh, w- over the last month or two, I know that we've been uh, kind of following some of the the remnant portal stuff for for football and for basketball and and wrapping up things for the offseason just kind of as an overview uh where how did this offseason stand for you and and in particular for the football side of things i mean uh, was there anything else that they needed to do that they never got around to or do you feel that they kind of covered all the bases this offseason yeah i think they knocked pretty much everything out that they wanted the big question is still going to be this year who's going to rush the passer and i think you know there was going to be it was going to be really hard to answer that question in the off season, um, and I really like uh, Jalen McLeod. Uh, I think he you coming in from App State. I like his game a lot. I think he fits a Ron Roberts defense especially pretty well. Um, they got some other guys. You know, Steven Sings, 
transferring in from Liberty. Um, Keldrick Falk is is obviously a guy that has got a lot of potential to him as a true freshman. But, yeah, I, I feel like they did the best that they could. And, in fact, they in, in the scope of everything, you exceed your expectations there. I mean, I did a story uh, last month or two at, at the Observer where I added it up. And if you just take the amount of snaps Auburn got on offense and defense and you took away the ones they lost in the portal – they come out with a net gain of over 15,000. I mean, you basically got a new team, kind of, right. or, or at least the, the bulk of a new team on both sides of the ball, which is what they needed. And, and long term, I think for Auburn, it's like you don't want to do this every year. You're gonna, you had to do it this year to be competitive on the field for 2023. I think next year they're going to have to hit the portal pretty decently again. Um, but I, I think that's the thing is like when you look at the amount of guys they brought in just to be competitive this year, you know that long term you're going to have to recruit at a high level, bringing up more and more high school guys instead of these group of five guys and FCS guys and not knocking them. That's just not how you build a championship roster long term. But in terms of get people excited about Auburn football again and win games this year. They did exactly what they needed to do. And you just said exceed expectations. So exceed expectations as far as recruiting and as far as transfer portal goes right now. Mm -hmm. Your personal thought, do you think then that is going to maybe lead to exceeding some expectations for this year? Because I know this team is not going to be a championship team. There's nobody in their right mind that thinks that Auburn is going to compete for a national title this year. However – People are talking about six wins, seven wins. I personally think that because of that exceeding expectations, mm-hmm. you might actually be looking at eight wins. You might be able to sneak a ninth, maybe. I mean, what are what are your thoughts? Yeah, on I that? mean, it's possible. I think it's going to come down to how the how the quarterback situation plays itself out. I mean, I think a lot of people are are, are pointing towards Peyton Thorne as as that answer. But yeah, I mean, this schedule is. Not very difficult for no. Auburn uh, by Auburn standards, you know. You in a year where you have to play Bama and Georgia on the you know uh, or at home, I should say. Um, you know, you, you got pretty much everything. It's like it's not like they had like this just crazy draw as well because you get LSU on the road and A M on the road and Arkansas on the road, like you know. But Vanderbilt being your crossover game, you'll absolutely take that. The non conference schedule. I'm not going to completely overlook Cal by any means, but Auburn should be favored they're in that game. Good. Yeah, they're just not a good team, yeah. and and you should go four and zero against your non-con schedule. So at that point, it's just can you go four and four in SEC play with the games that they've got at home with a couple winnable games on the road? Yeah, it's absolutely possible. Um, but you know this this team I think is going to have to um, really really come together quickly because they got a lot of pieces on offense and defense. After spring ball, right. guys are going to have to rely on it, so that's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of and a lot of work you got to do in the summer, and then of course in fall camp. Yeah, one of my biggest questions when still observing this team, and, and look, they certainly added a lot on the edge, really a, a lot everywhere, but but a lot to try and help them rush the passer better. Obviously, losing some of the guys they lost, like Derek Hall last year, is impactful there. But even with those guys on last year's team, not a good rush defense. And some of these teams, you know, I think that it would not be shocking to see Alabama run more this year mm-hmm. uh, if, if they don't have the quarterback situation panned out. Obviously, Georgia will always have that element. Obviously, Ole Miss with Quinshawn Judkins back going to run a lot. So I wonder, too, about the middle of that defense because we all feel good about the secondary. And I think in the aggregate, they've found some pass rushers there for sure. But also some of those guys are probably not first down or maybe even second down players a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So how worried would you be about 
uh, some of these rushing attacks going kind of at Auburn in the middle. I, I think they they addressed a lot of this in the offseason when you look at bringing in a guy like Justin Rogers and you bring in – I mean, they got three defensive linemen that have played considerable amounts of, of football at the Power 5 level. Um, and then you're in your linebacker room, I think I think Austin Keys just looks like a middle linebacker that you're going to want on the field a, a decent bit. He's got some good SEC experience to him. Demario Tolan's going to be a guy I think – Maybe you hear more about him in twenty four and twenty five as as a guy. He, I, I think he could obviously break out this year for sure. But they should be better in that regard. They're bigger. Um, I think this defense is going to, you know, be a little bit more versatile and kind of commit more guys um, in the box and, and and do a variety of things to help slow things down uh, in the ground game. But yeah, that's going to be a key. It's going to be a key because they were. I think one of the I think one of the most overlooked parts of Auburn last season is that their pass defense was pretty good, and I think one of the, the most overlooked bad things for Auburn last year is just like they were really rough uh, run defense. Like this is the worst Auburn run defense in, in a while, and you just weren't used to that. Um, and so going out and addressing it by that the spine of the defense um, with your interior defensive linemen, with your inside linebackers reinforcing those groups you got some safeties coming back with some experience some good run run support guys there that i feel like it should be better do i think this is going to be like a kevin Steele elite run defense probably not you don't have a you don't have elite talent in, in that department right now but what you do have is, is an ability to kind of bounce back and you play that with a secondary that should be pretty tough to throw on on at, at a high rate you should be in a good good shape on defense so far ferg is freeze giving more and this is a very subjective question, but mm-hmm. is he giving more detailed, more forthcoming answers with personnel and with stuff than some other coaches? Because I feel like he mentioned like a good number of players in the spring is like making strides or not making strides. And some coaches can be so buttoned up about it. I, I don't know if there's been a difference from your point of view in, in how he's answering stuff so far. I, I don't know if he's more specific with his answers i will say he's he's very honest with his answers to you know to the point of being brutally honest about what auburn's situation is uh where they are lacking what they got to do to prevent that uh what have they got to do moving forward i mean he i think those aspects of it from I me mean, from day one he's coming in and he's talking about rebuilding the auburn football program and some people may sit here and say you know what auburn's not in this just absolutely terrible situation um, but you got to look back to back losing seasons. I mean, you have to bounce back from that if you're Auburn. That's that's rare territory for you. And I think on the field, this roster, especially with the amount of attrition they had in these last few recruiting classes, guys who aren't here anymore, you're looking at a situation where you're playing a lot of a lot of dudes this year that have either not done it at the SEC level or um, what we've seen from them just haven't hasn't been you know championship contending quality and i think when he comes in and says hey we got to recruit we recruit recruit this is going to be the make or break these next few classes and then you go out and actually do it i don't think he's sitting here i don't think it's like a situation that uh billy napier ran into at florida where he's coming in and saying like we got to be really really patient i don't know if he's preached patience as much freeze has but more of just like honestly like hey guys like this is going to take some time uh but also like we expect to be better right away and we've got to get you know everything's got to be better and you got to put in the work to do that and so specifics i'll be interested to see how specific and how 
focus he is on, on talking about personnel in fall camp because I think you're going to have more movement and more revelations then. But um, I, I think the one thing since he has become the head coach at Auburn that has stuck out to me the most in my dealings with, with him is how honest he is about the state of Auburn football and what it's going to take to get it back to where it wants to be. And, and that's something I look for, especially once we get to know coaches over a period of time where you kind of read in between the lines of either they start to mention players more or they uh, they, they talk about someone else more than the average opponent. And the reason I bring it up is I still remember back in uh, SEC media days, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, and it wasn't even Auburn-related. It was Will Muschamp when he was still at South Carolina. And they go on these long soliloquies up there, to, and then they take questions. And I remember Muschamp, and I believe it was still not even a question. Like, it was unprompted when he was talking about his team. He said, yeah, we're really not tough enough or good enough up front on either side of the ball. And I remember thinking, this coach in July is publicly saying, yeah, we're not very good up front. And I said, that's not going to bode well. And I think they went like 4-8 and eight that year. It was, I think it was Muschamp's final year or, or the next last year. And it kind of stood out to me because not many coaches are just going to be like, yeah, we're just terrible here and there's no hope and we're in, in trouble. And for Muschamp to go out there and be publicly against everything going on offensive and defense, defensive line-wise, that, that really stood out. So sometimes you can kind of read that off of coaches uh, one way or, or the other. We're going to take our first time out in hour number two. More with Justin Ferguson coming up in just a minute. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and with us right now, Justin Ferguson, the fearless leader of the Auburn Observer, uh, with us today on Sports Call. In just a moment, I'm gonna we're, we're going to start something, a, a new segment, uh, do a Sports Call report card, and we're going to kind of go through in great detail uh, kind of everything with the offseason with, with Auburn and, and with the – did they check all the boxes and their grades? Look, I think everyone's going to be on the same page that they had a clearly good offseason, but we'll kind of break it down in the different parts and see what they did at the very best and what they had a little bit more trouble doing. We've seen schedules get released for 24 in the last few weeks, both for basketball and for football. So, Ferg, I, let's start, I guess, chronologically what happened yesterday with, with basketball. Initial thoughts on 
Uh, the SEC side of things, obviously, we don't we no bits and pieces of non-conference. Got to have it all come together. But just kind of the SEC part of it for Auburn, uh, Auburn basketball. Yeah, I think you know you always play Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia uh, home and home uh, each year. Those are always the teams you play twice. So it all comes down to who you get in rotations, who you have to play twice. Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, those aren't like you know two super easy teams because I don't think there's two super easy teams you can find in the SEC. Um, but you would much rather take Mississippi State and Vanderbilt having to play them twice than say a Kentucky or a Tennessee or a um, Texas A&M or, or, or somebody like that. So I think Auburn got a really good draw there. You look at the home road splits. Don't got to go to Rupp this year. Um, you know you have a few places where you feel like. Um, you've had a little bit of success away from home. Uh, it, obviously, Bud Walton will be tough against Arkansas. You could try to get some revenge at Florida. But um, some places where Auburn has won on the road uh, here under in, in the Pearl era. So I think it's a really good, favorable schedule for Auburn. It could have been a lot worse. You could have gotten you could have gotten it loaded up for sure. Uh, and uh, you know, I think it's a I think it's a good um, slate of eighteen where Auburn. You know, uh, again, I'm not I'm not going to pick this team to win the SEC this upcoming year, but I do think they could have a stronger season because I like the way this team has been kind of built up and, and created, uh, especially stylistically. I think there's a lot of a lot. There's a chance that the the on court uh, chemistry and just the flow of this team is going to look a lot better with, with with the pieces they've gotten. So I think they got a schedule to match it. And Brooks uh, and Tom on the show for the first time this week. Brooks, I'll start with you. All right. Uh, you, the interesting part for me was, uh, I think of all the the teams you play twice, you got to feel good about that just in general because of those five teams: Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Really, the only tournament lock is Alabama. Now, obviously, Vanderbilt can have strokes of brilliance. Mississippi State with Christians hopeful for the being on the up and up. Ole Miss, it will not take long for Chris Beard to get it going but still teams that you're not as sure about. So that part of it, to me, feels uh, very doable on the on the easier side of things. The only thing that I think is difficult is that I actually think if you flipped the only home and the only roads, it'd be easier if you flipped them because on the road you've got Arkansas, Florida, where Auburn never has any fun whatsoever there, uh, at Missouri, who did make the tournament last year, and at Tennessee, which is always a, a good a regular season team and, and uh, certainly a highly ranked program. That that's the one difficult part for me, but it does set up those fierce road games that kind of test you and 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 test your with resolve and and that sort of thing. So uh, with the schedule, uh, I know Kentucky's going to be such a positive to be at home and not have to go there. But uh, how do you break down uh, everything when you look at it, Brooks? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's at the SEC. It continues to be a, a really good basketball conference. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of you know you look at this the schedule and there's not a lot of teams that I would you know say right now except for uh, you know a couple that you're you say hey they're you know you you kind of can feel what they're going to do this year I think South Carolina is a team that's uh, you know again going to be uh, that Auburn can get a win against pretty easily um and, and uh, you know, I, I think Georgia could be a team that takes a few strides forward this year. They, they uh, with um, uh, what's uh, Mike White, Mike White uh, taking over the program. Um, I, I think that you know you, you keep him or he is in his, into his second year. I think he's continued to build that program up. 
Um, Tennessee's always a difficult place to go play on the road. You know, it's unfortunate that you you do get them. You know, have to play them back to back years on the road. But you did get them at home this year with with that home and uh, they were on the double this year. So I understand that one. Um, Ole Miss. Like you said, would not be shocked if they were a team that uh, could beat some people this year. I, I think they're they're getting some talent in there with Chris Beard, and he's he's a really good basketball coach. Uh, we've seen that at Texas. We've seen that at uh, Texas Tech, and so I, I think that they could be a team that could give Auburn some trouble, especially when Auburn goes to Ole Miss. You know, that, that's one of those places that Auburn kind of it feels like they can't, if they get a win there it's not an easy win it, it's it, it's really a, a close game and, and you know South Carolina is a team like that too is you go on the road to South Carolina it just seems like even if they're at the bottom of the conference they're they're playing you really really hard on at, on the road and so uh, I like that Auburn gets them at home other than that you know you you get you know you obviously you've got Alabama on both uh, both home and away don't know what they're going to look like this year with you know you've got still got talent flowing in but you've still you've got a lot of talent leaving the, after this last year and then that road game at Florida uh, that that's going to be really really interesting to, to see Auburn go down there not a place that they've you know won regularly uh, on, during Bruce Pearl's era or really any any era against Florida but it, it should be a really fun game to go down to uh, to the swamp and see if this team can uh, can finally break break the streak and get a win there and so as we go back to the the 2024 football side of things and we've obviously talked a lot about this we talked multiple days about it when when it came out and the obviously one-off part of it that this is in theory just one eight game conference schedule for football in 2024 and that it may may very well go up to nine right after that it's going to be very much a wait and see approach we're not going to have a lot of leeway on on it because I, i feel like we're going to watch the season play out and then they will make a decision so it might be the leanest lead time of of schedule uh but but for when we think about 2024 how surprising was it or maybe it wasn't surprising uh to you to see it go from such a a strong momentum towards going ahead and going to nine games and then once they got to destin everyone kind of freaked out and said nope we we need to watch this play out for a year you know i think it's the smarter move from a conference perspective to let it play out um i do know they also would like to get a little more money from the sec if they do i mean from espn if they go to nine games um, so it'll be interesting to see how how that all works itself out. Um, you know, it's just they need to get everybody on the same page and kind of whip everybody into shape. I think Greg Sankey and 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 the leadership of the SEC it was was too passive with it and just kind of the default option of just letting it play out and just say okay, we'll we'll do this uh, this kind of bridge year for maybe one or two years. I think there was. I think that was too easy of an option for them to go to, so they didn't make a push for it. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to put your foot down at some point and say, hey, we're going to do this or we're not going to do this. And everybody's got to get along when it comes to um, who, co- who plays who. And I think when Oklahoma and Texas come into the league – uh, as as teams that have been used to playing nine game conference schedules already in the Big Twelve, I think when they get voting rights, um, you know, I think that it'll be a lot easier for them to push to nine. So, it'll be interested to see if they do just one or two years of this kind of bridge. Do they want to kind of even it out before they go to nine? If not, um, you know, I think this will just be one just kind of odd off year, and then uh, hopefully they go to nine, and hopefully they sort it out in a way where. 
um, you know, you get a balanced schedule and and one that I think you know rewards teams um, by letting them play pretty much everywhere uh, within you know two or four years. I wish it was one of those things where we could look forward to media days in three or four weeks and feel confident about getting something useful and substantive out of. Oh yeah, so and so they they balked. They 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 were yeah. you know, nine and now they're down to eight. But we know we're going to get a lot of the the generality stuff. Uh, may I, I'm interested to see if any coaches go on record, or, or I'm sure at least one or two will go on record with what they preferred. But uh, I, I wish we could get more out of it than what we're going to get. Oh, than I would prefer to go to nine, but I'm letting for the institutions to yeah. come to that conclusion too. Uh, for Auburn's schedule, though, in 2024, uh, the home games of Texas A&M, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Oklahoma, the road games of Alabama, Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky. I did this overly complicated formula the other week and trying to spit out where I thought 1 through uh, 16 everyone ranked in the league, and I had Auburn as one of the easier schedules mm-hmm. in the league. Now, obviously, all that's relative because that's still with Alabama and Georgia on the road. Uh, but it, it did spit out as one of the, the bottom five or six easier easier schedules in the league. What did you think of what Auburn uh, was given, both in terms of difficulty but also in terms of, well, they, they lost the Mississippi schools, no LSU and that sort of thing. So who was the biggest loss, in your opinion, on the schedule that ended up not being on there? Uh, you know, not playing LSU every year is, is – they we knew that was probably going to be the case at some point when they expanded, but – to have it fall off i think you know it's just it's been such a good game and a good rivalry you know you've played state for much longer you played Ole miss for a little bit longer as well every year but they they, those don't compare to the lsu series i think the last 20 30 years of auburn lsu has more big moments big games you know uh memories that than like all of the Ole Miss and Mississippi State series combined. Um, so that that's going to be tough to leave off. But in terms of the schedule itself, it's like, yeah, Auburn, Auburn could have gotten a lot tougher of a draw there for sure. I think it's more balanced when you have to play Alabama and Georgia on the road. I think the league helped them out by, you know, giving them, you know, Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Missouri. And so you feel a lot better about your chances winning those games. Um, so, you know, I, I would have rather have seen – Auburn keep LSU on the schedule just because of how big that game is. But the league wanted everybody to play either Texas or Oklahoma. You trade Oklahoma for for LSU uh, or, or vice versa. You keep Arkansas and A&M, and you trade the Mississippi schools for what you – you know, uh, Kentucky and um, Missouri. And, yeah, the other thing is that Auburn was supposed to, before a conference expansion, Auburn was supposed to play Florida uh, in, in 2024 – and instead, you get to play Vanderbilt. So, I mean, I think I think you'll take that that exchange a hundred times out of a hundred when it comes to competitive balance and getting the best schedule for you. Um, what you lose, though, is tradition, which is always going to be the case when you expand a conference. Yeah, it is. It is a, a positive and a negative. I mean, there's no way sure. around it because there's, you know, a team like Vandy is like obviously you want that from a, a win and loss standpoint, but. Auburn, as you said, they've not hosted Florida in in way too long amount of time. That's part of the reason the league's trying to change up how they do it, and it's going to happen every other year in one locale and every four years at both campuses. But uh, you know, still that not ending up rotating on, and then no else, you know, Mississippi's. I, I certainly see everyone's argument because we've had some callers that have lamented the fact that some of the stuff that made the most sense for a long period of time is 
is off of there, but also it's also hard to complain with. All right, outside of the Alabama Georgia component, you feel pretty good about it because also the the twenty twenty four side of the equation is that okay, that's our first twelve team college football playoff and a ten and two SEC team, and I'm I'm not going to go all the way up this road before even seeing this team, but a ten and two SEC team is going to make the playoff in in, in twenty twenty four. I feel so you have a pathway in that that instance so uh, it is always tough because you, you do get something out of it you get the easier part of it but also uh, you'll lose a, a lot of history there which a lot of teams are going to lose some history over the course of of all these schedules shifting around and, and that sort of thing the arrival of oklahoma and texas we're going to take our final time out here in our number two when we come back we'll start sports call report card about the auburn football offseason you're listening to the tuesday edition of the show on tiger 95.9 Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and Justin Ferguson sitting in with us for a little bit here. One more segment with Ferg on this Tuesday. And uh, before we get to a little bit of the report card, we won't have time for all of it this hour, but Ferg will play along here for a couple of them. Want to get Justin's take on the Thunder Chickens. It's opening day, Ferg. There's no JJ to kind of prop up the team. Like, he's, he's still around. Like, he's... He's still going to pitch. In case you're wondering, there's home runs. Oh, Apparently, wow. there's a there's they they sent us a rules thing this year. Actually, in writing, which is nice to have the rules, and you can't hit three home runs in an inning. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Which does apply to us in the field, not of course at the plate. <laughs> Um, so what are your hopes and dreams and expectations for us this year? Yeah, I'm going to go back to what I gave you all last season. Uh, don't get run ruled every game. Like, like, as try to try to. I'm not telling you you got to win. I'm not telling you you got to have really close competitive games. Just like, you know, make it your goal that we're not going to get run ruled. And 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 I think I think if you if you play from that level, whatever else you get on top of that, every time you go out to the ballpark, it's gonna be great. I don't know. There might be some teams y'all can beat this year. I doubt it, but uh, <laughs> tough but, but fair. Yeah, but uh, you know, I I think I think just don't get run ruled. Just don't get run ruled, and, and you know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a rebuilding per, uh, you know rebuilding franchise. Like you got to start from somewhere. Last year, you got you got you got it set up. You're ready to roll. You know, you 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 you're you're trying to trying to move forward and build from from the foundation, and and you got to make progress. We can't expect you to you know win the World Series this year, well. but you know. Maybe get maybe get a little bit better off and give, give something for the fans to buy into. We we came so close one game last yeah. year. It was the playoff yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I did hear about that. So close. had the winning run on base in the last inning. Yeah, did JJ screw something up? No, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> we actually led that game for a couple of innings. Actually. Oh wow! It was, See, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you got a bit, and that was a playoff game, right? Yep. So it's you build off of that. You build off of that coming in coming into the year, and just say like, hey, if we can make a, if we, we just don't get blown out, just don't get right. blown out. And then who knows if you hang around, you might be able to kind of, especially in a in a league now where you can't hit more than three home runs in an inning. You know, yeah, you know, it may be less of an opportunity for for y'all to get like really rolled up on, unless guys are just absolutely just laser and like line drives all over. Which the place. some of them are so good that they go oppo line drives, and yeah. it's just like I I'm didn't say, know how I was supposed to defend that. The, the thing <laughs> is, is the better teams that can actually hit, they're going to get if they get two home runs, they're just going to start like just half just swinging slapping, it, changing the field around, a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and one of the things, I, and I, you know, to their credit, I mean, there's some of those teams that get out there in a, uh, I don't know, about two and a half innings in, they realize that we're not very good, and so <laughs> they already implement their they, own mercy rule. <laughs> pretty much, they they will they'll hit one to the fence, and we'll have four guys out there trying to decide who's going to pick the ball up, and the guy just stops at first. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to quit running and let them get the ball back in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I think more and more opportunities for that. Like you might. You may have lulled people in, you know. They, they, Maybe you, they won't be expecting uh, y'all to like actually score runs and play a little defense. De- recommendation for us, you know what? Screw the report card. We're just going to talk about this. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, or or other funny things. Um, as a team that sucks like we do, mm-hmm. do you want to bat in the top half to try and take a one nothing lead to say you did it, or do you want to bat in the bottom half to keep trying to stave off elimination each inning? Like the for the run rules, I think I think you'd much rather start an inning if you if you don't have the offense to hang long term because I think you want to like maybe surprise them or at least give yourself a barometer and say okay, you know we get we scored two runs this inning all right as long as we don't give up X amount of runs we'll be fine. Uh, I think it'd be even worse if you get to the top of the inning get absolutely shelled and then you're just playing from behind. You know, it's kind of demoralizing. You know, you start it, start a game, and it's like when it's like in the majors. Whenever you see a guy not even be able to get out of the first inning, like <laughs> like it's just like, oh, that's a terrible day. Like the the rest of your game is yeah. just completely shot now at this point. I think from a from a from from a mental standpoint. So yeah, I think you want to jump on people, maybe surprise them a little bit, and then kind of you know see if you can whittle away after that. And so, oh, and I was gonna say, I I can I get that. You know, early on, but I mean, with us, I would, later in the game, I would definitely want to be. You know, I would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. if it's close, you want to be the home. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But, yeah. but well, we well, got to well, prove we can play close sure. first. Yeah. Yeah. Because I definitely don't know that we have the type of team that can hang on to a lead, especially at last mm. inning. That's the problem. It's like uh, we need to be able to walk one. Everyone's off got jello like, legs. We, like we yeah. to do this. It's like hey. We walked it off. We won. again. It's the quality so. of your pitching is what's going to kill yeah, you. Yeah, JJ, in, in those games. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you don't have any confidence, you can hold on to the very few leads that you get. I mean, that's well. that comes down to pitching. You know, it's like you're like the Colorado Rockies at that point. Yeah, like you're just like oh. all right, well, uh, you know, somebody's going to have to come out here and, and do something for us, and it's 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 never a good sign when it's just well, maybe is your pitching staff uh, <laughs> strategy. Yeah, we've got a couple of new players this year, so we're we are slowly adding. We're, we're hoping we're making that lineup a little bit longer. I'll tell you the other thing because <laughs> when you're when you're this bad again, we're we deserve to self-deprecate here because we're 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 not great. Um, well, we've never won a game in two years except for the one that the team didn't show up. Right, exactly. It's pretty bad. So, <laughs> exactly. 
I would have given y'all like uh, like hey win a game this year right but I'm not gonna do uh, it that. does feel like the next logical step though since the playoff game was so close but let's just let's just have more non-run rule games right than, than run rule games first I think a, I think a successful season however many games y'all play if y'all get to the end of the season and say hey we got run ruled in less than half of our games that's a success you you build off of that moving forward for sure. All right, uh, question from... The audience. The audience. Uh, JJ. Uh-huh. Do you miss Javon Cutler as head coach? You know, I, I, th- I feel like the franchise might be lacking some some stability, you know? <laughs> who is technically the head coach? Like uh, guy, I don't know if you met him, Jared Dillard. He, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's uh, he's okay. second-year head coach. His contract is that he gets three bag of Doritos. To, uh, Listen, <laughs> like, I, not bad. I don't want to. Uh, as a member, does of the he team, have to show up? Yes, <laughs> oh, okay. he does have to show up. As a yeah. member of the team, I, I don't want to, you know, talk bad about the head coach. But our one win, even though it was a forfeit, did come under Javon Cutler's tenure. Good point. That's that's true. He but he was, will but the was other. Jared, but was but was Jared the head coach when y'all almost won a playoff game? Yes. yes. Okay. See, that's what you, you signed him to a five year extension <laughs> off of that. Yeah, so you, see, you maybe. Gotta, Maybe this is re, you got to come up with rebuild like you got to think like a rebuilding franchise at this point. Any sort of positives, you gotta you gotta latch on to them. So maybe it's that Javon is the better locker room guy because sure. he, he gets us on the field and maybe he had some willpower and other teams didn't show up and Jared's the better X's and O's coach mm-hmm. like actually gonna which is so important in softball r- right for exactly all the plays that you run well hey look all I'm saying is you can pinch run once every single inning you got to use that first oh, okay. you got to get someone on and then you then can, you they, well, can you, the person who gets pinched run for can they go back in Yes. I mean, yeah, so technically, good. you can like get two pinch runner. runners in the inning if you get a the pitcher, oh, the pitcher on. on. The pitcher yeah. automatically mm-hmm. gets a pinch runner if you want. And JJ, I'll give him this: it's not going to be great exit below, but <laughs> yeah. he can kind of pop one into that little no man's land in left field. Right. Yeah. He, strategic. Strategic he, batting. He is by far not our worst hitter. So uh, that's good. Th- there you go, JJ. You're not the worst hitter. You're you're good. It's also tough to be known as the worst hitter on a slow pitch softball team. Like, that that is like, true. Uh, the 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 object is like you you're supposed to hit it. Just do something with it. Right. Uh, there is a another credit to Jared as manager. He actually keeps stats for us. Okay. Too. There you go. And he did last year, and they're going to be live stats this year. Oh, so God. if you have just absolutely nothing to do with your life, then <laughs> between our game times, you can check to see who's hitting 200 in, in rec softball, you know, and keep up with how bad, oh, it's only 2 nothing after 1. That's not bad. Checks in 20 minutes later. Oh, it's 12 nothing now after mm-hmm. 2. Well, yeah. that, that, that escalated. Uh, Keeping talk- track of how many how many runners in scoring position get left on base, yeah, that kind of thing. I, uh, I wish you knew every single player so we could do a couple of prop bets. I will say this, because everyone needs to have prop bets on their rec softball team. Sure. Um there was one home run hit by our team last year. Uh, wow. Van Cathcart hit a home run. It is funny that you say that. One one home run last year in a league where they're limiting how many home runs you can hit per inning. Correct. You had one all year. Correct. That's, that's so something. over under of 1.5 this year. Okay, well, Homer over the was that a over the fence homer? Yeah, over the fence. Yeah, no, we had an inside the park home run too. Okay. We had right. two total round trippers. <laughs> so I'll say I'll say, um, I'll say. You know what? I, I I'll go under with one and a half. I'll say you match it, but I but I think it's because I think this team is going to play a little bit more strategic 
under Jared's leadership, a little more, a little more small ball, a little more <laughs> popping it around the yard, right? A little, little bit. I think, uh, you know, I don't know how many heavy hitters y'all have on your team. Um, you know, guys that are guys that are going to be able to launch it out. So I, right. I, I'll, I'll say one, but I don't think that necessarily means the offense is going to be worse. Also, because I don't think the offense could be worse. But right, that's you know, fair. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, no. Like our other best hitters, I I led the team in average this year at five hundred. Yeah, woo. Uh, hey, uh, I mean five hundred. Um, but uh, I'm not trying to hit home runs. I had one or two triples last year, but still not a home run guy. Tom is a line drive guy. He hit like mm-hmm. four hundred last year. Um, where are they putting you in order? Like where, where? I usually hit first or second, depends. Okay. Um, trying to lead off or just set the table. You know, when you yeah. only got like four guys that hit over three hundred, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's someone the on. issue because it's like you know you want to be able to like get your good average guys higher in the order, but you also don't want to get to a point once you know, hey, our only two good hitters drop off, and then and then you're in the three hole, and it's like no, nobody's, nobody's that is a on. problem. Like, you know, we usually get to seven get or eight, and yeah, and then you just know the next inning is just gonna be one, two, three. <laughs> I don't know, man. We're just we're just trying to compete yeah. at the end of the day. Just trying to compete. Start staggering some of this. Uh, yeah. Um. So we're excited about it, though. Just a minute or two left here with Ferg here in hour number two. And uh, Justin, also want to, again, publicly say we really appreciate you for coming on the show yeah. each and every week throughout the throughout the year, talking all things football and basketball. You do a great job with it with the Observer. And uh, going to give you the opportunity right now, just like you do with uh, the end of any uh, phone interview you do. What, what all is going on this summer is uh, – uh, I know you got uh, Dan Peck over there with mm-hmm. you guys now, and uh, Painter's still still kicking, having a good time. What what all's going on over there? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. We we try to give you at least three newsletters and two podcasts a week, so you get the equivalent of something every day uh, during your weekday, uh, every weekday during the during the off season. Um, so like uh, tomorrow, we've got a film room up on um, on Peyton Thorne. Uh, I think people enjoy. Did a story earlier this week on Auburn's uh, recruiting at wide receiver, the five stars, and just trying to you know trying to make some ground up there. Mailbag will be this week. Dan and I are going to do our head-to-head um, uh, draft on on our premium episode this week. So uh, both of us have to pick basically a starting lineup uh, on offense and defense from Auburn's 2023 roster, and so we'll go head-to-head with that. Should be a lot of fun. So, yeah, we, we've got we've had some good guests in um, uh, on the podcast throughout the summer. We have some more. Got some plans uh, for some other fun stuff with our podcast and and obviously with the newsletters. Things will get cranked up here. Really, uh, and you know, once fall camp rolls around, we've got stuff coming up pretty much every day of the week. Um, so it's a great time to sign up. AuburnObserver.com. It's six dollars a month or sixty dollars uh, for a full year, and we email everything to you. And like I said. Pretty much, you're going to get something at least at least five things um, a, a week in the off season. So um, I know the off season it can be hard to find stuff to talk about and write about. Um, but I mean, I think Auburn's off season has been so busy that you know here we are at the end of June heading into Fourth of July weekend, and I'm like, man, it hasn't felt like it hasn't felt like a true off season yet, which I think is a really really good sign and should be really exciting with. Media days and, and and you know fall camp coming up. Yeah, a lot more positive angled things to be able to sure, to, and, and just to write. And, and just busier in general with the, with the transfer portal in both sports, um, and just a, the the amount of um, 
the amount of availability we've been able to get uh, with coaches and players, I think, has been great. So a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. Absolutely. Well, Justin, as always, we appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, and uh, We'll yes. see you again a little bit later this summer. Absolutely. And uh, there is a surprise for you waiting out in the lobby, and uh, he's the owner of the Thunder Chickens, and, oh and you might want to run. <laughs> I don't know. I say that every time. <laughs> that will do it for hour number two. Stay tuned. We will do that Sports Call report card coming up in hour number three. More Sports Call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy. And Brooks Childress with you here sir. on this Tuesday. Again, special thanks to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in our number two. If you missed that, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. We'll have a little bit more about the Thunder Chickens in just a little bit. Everyone's starting to stroll in here, it feels Cluck like. Uh, so we're excited about that. But we will, uh, again, take care of some more items. Uh, ran out of time with Ferg to do a Sports Call report card, but we do want to do this. Now is as good a time as any to kind of recap part of the uh, off season. As there's not going to be too many mo- more moves made, I I can't rule out like one more random transfer portal guy really late in the process. But you also start to wonder like that you're committing in late June, early July. How a part of the plans are you going to be? I mean, yeah, Hugh Freeze was on a lake with Gus Malzahn yesterday. I mean, just for for. <laughs> For reference, um, I, I don't think that that is a, a high priority at the moment. I think your teams are your teams. Uh, but, again, we, we certainly do think that uh, part of this offseason or most of this offseason is done. So here are the categories we wanted to, to look at. And there are, there are six of them. We may not get to all six of them at this point. Uh, but the six categories one and hit on for the report card today is coaching staff, and so that is not Hugh Freeze related. That is that is the rest of the coaching staff. Okay, We're, regardless of opinion of hire Hugh Freeze, we want to talk about the coaching staff that was built around it, the high school recruiting. Okay, so how Auburn did in the last months of high school recruiting, the portal recruiting, which is obviously different, the. Uh, a category I've got need, recognition, and execution. So that's kind of combining the two. It's like, hey, did Auburn do a good job of identifying its needs? And did it successfully fill those needs? Momentum of the program, which I think we'll all kind of have a similar answer to that. How good is the momentum? And then expectation-changing activity. 
a fancy little phrase I put in there, expectation changing activity. What that basically is, is how, what, with all, basically it's kind of a summary with everything that Auburn did in the off season, how much did it change your expectations? How positive of a grade do you give the way they, they change their expectations? So that's the categories we're going to look at before we get to that though, we will go back to the Auburn bank phone line one more time at three, three, four, eight, eight, seven, 34, one locally or toll free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Next up on the show today, Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm outstanding, guys. How about yourselves? Doing well. Hello. We're we're doing well. Yeah. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. yeah um, let me ask you a question. Where Where do you find on the the web or the internet uh, these uh transfer portal deals where you can look at who's in the transfer portal yeah on three does a really good job with that i think they're probably the industry leader in kind of showing you who has transferred uh away from a school who has transferred to that school they have a whole rankings list of transfer portal guys they even try and don't ask me how they come up with it but they even try to give you an nil evaluation for each guy so i would say on three uh, is probably the okay. best site to look at that. 247 also has now, a good one. 247 and on three. Yep. Now, when, when yesterday, I missed all that, but let me ask you this, guys. What, what, in a nutshell, what was the deal with him? Had, had he not entered the draft? With with Quinterly, yeah. So he he did, but he took his name out like in the last day or two, uh, like May thirtieth or somewhere in there. I think the deadline was like June first. So he had taken his name out of that just prior. Okay, and then what did he get in the transfer portal late or something? I mean, I, I don't understand. Yeah, so uh, when we were talking about it a little bit yesterday, there was a there's a difference in if you are an undergrad versus a a grad, and uh, because he is a graduate student that he gets a later deadline than the than the guys that have not yet graduated. So the, there's a different deadline to hit the portal depending on if you've graduated or not. Okay. Uh, so they ain't been – did he notate on there something about uh, no contact or – Not that I saw. I didn't oh, see okay. I didn't see the designation. We just – you know, I, I, we spit all the possibilities, but I, I don't think so. Okay. All right, moving on real quick. Well, one last thing. I'm going to get to the NBA, NBA for just a second, and, and uh, I'm going to talk basketball, not the draft or anything. Um, and, and I'll use Djokovic. Uh, is that his name? Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic. Okay. Yep. And I've seen him do it, even in the finals. I've seen LeBron do it. I've seen several basketball players do this, and I cannot get my arms around why this is not a foul. All right, so they – so, so say Jokic gets the ball or LeBron gets the ball at the elbow, okay? Yep. And, you know, and he's got a guy on him. Well, then he starts backing that guy down and just pushing him backwards, backing him down. And then when they get close to the goal, if they call a foul, it's always on the defensive player. I, I hadn't seen them call. How's that not player control when the guy with the ball is moving the guy that's guarding him backwards i i I just i don't understand that call or no call i guess yeah you know the premise of that is interesting i mean it's always been 
to me when I've viewed basketball growing up, like I've, I feel like you've always kind of been able to do that. Like I can think of old videos of Shaq doing that. People just kind of overwhelming yeah. them, and but then the defensive foul. You know, they never really call it a defensive foul. It's just kind of a play on. And as you're referring to, they're they're now calling more defensive fouls in, in that equation. You know, I. I think that the game has become very physical, and that yeah. they are they're 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 getting getting baited, and we've talked about this a little bit before uh, a few weeks back. They they're getting baited into calling rewarding guys that are trying to create contact rather than just try to make a shot, and then oh you did something illegal defensively and caused the foul. Like they were kind of rewarding guys that are seeking contact, and so. You've get you've got these situa- situations where there's just a, a ton of fouls and a ton of foul shots and you know on that particular play, I I I don't know I I'm not a I don't love calling a lot of fouls to be honest with you so I would rather them just kind of move on to a no call rather than you know starting yeah. to call an offensive foul in that situation but I certainly understand like if you're an offensive player and you are backing you're kind of creating that contact well then that. You know, if you think about it that way, that could warrant an offensive foul, but then also the defensive guys trying to resist, and then that just gets into a judgment call that probably we, we shouldn't have to have all the time. Of, oh, who who created the most contact and who who had the most illegal contact, and it, it's a lot yeah. of judgment calls. Okay, and one last thing, and, and, and uh, this is this is it: uh, the WNBA. Okay, you, you match the players of the WNBA. And you, you match their social media, player individual players. Okay, there's got to be a lot of those girls making more money off social media than they are off a WNBA contract because they're always dressed to the kill or not dressed at all, hardly. Um, you, you know, they'll they'll take pictures of them showing up at the game or stuff, and they got all this garb on and drip or whatever they want to call it you know uh like you know i don't know i, I guess the average contract for a wnba players about maybe sixty thousand or seventy five thousand. I, I don't know if it's that high the average um but it's just uh i don't know i, I they, they gotta make, make more, they gotta be making more money with their social media than in my opinion it looks like the, if, uh, if you look it, at instagram or twitter or the people that follow them and and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I looked it up, Keith. The average salary in the WNBA is 102000 Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I missed that boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a decent salary to, to play a game. The, I the, guess, mini- the, the minimum is 62000 Maybe that's what I saw one time. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I like watching the WNBA because, to me, it's more like basketball supposed to be played. For the most part, uh, you know, except for the girls that's trying to act like the NBA players and do stuff that they can't physically do, but they try it anyway. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, I, it's just a, to me a, a more all-around basketball game. Uh, if you watch the WNBA versus <laughs> maybe not versus the NBA, but I mean, I mean, the NBA they're professional athletes. I get that. You know, they're, they're talented. There's no everybody in the league talented. Or they wouldn't be there, you know. So, uh, and we look at the game, and, or I do, and I watch it, and they look like an average person to me. But they're all six eight, six nine, six ten, and seven foot out there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. they all look small. Yeah, Steph Curry <laughs> is small, and he's six two. He's small by yeah. NBA standards. Yeah. Yeah, 
But anyway, I just wanted to, you know, I, I was just curious uh, about that. But, uh, you know, I, I guess basketball's over with. And, well, no, the NBA, the WNBA's still playing. Yes. So, uh, shout out to the Stallions. I think they're Southern Division back-to-back champs. So, uh, I hadn't got to watch them as much this year. But uh, maybe they'll be back in the Super Bowl or whatever they call that on that uh, USFL. Uh, but anyway, guys, y'all play tonight? Uh, yes, we do. Opening night, 7.30 and 8.30. Uh, you got a scout report on the other team? Yeah, well, we've uh, we played them each of the last two years. They're better than us by a good deal. <laughs> That's the scouting <laughs> report. Well, <laughs> just remember one thing. This is a motivational speech real quick for you guys. Sure. sure. They put on their socks and their cleats and their glove just like y'all do. So Amen. just remember that. Play hard and have fun, okay? Absolutely, Keith. We appreciate your phone call, man. Goodbye. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Good stuff right there from Keith. Uh, Yeah, no, we're looking forward to it uh, tonight for sure. Uh, Let's go ahead and get a couple of these topics, though, in the report card in. This feels like it's destined not to get done. Go go ahead. I I, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on this breaking news, or do we want to try to confirm first? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it for the for the moment. Um, Yeah, I think that uh, trying to get this uh, trying to get this in has been ill fated. But let's go ahead and and, and get uh, a couple of these report card deals in. So grading Auburn's off season in football. If we only get to half of these today, that's fine. Uh, Coaching staff, uh, of course, talking about. Everyone around uh, Hugh Freeze, again, not just the Hugh Freeze part of it. You bring in Philip Montgomery to run the offense, uh, Ron Roberts to run in the defense. You had other notable uh, guys like Cadillac Williams return the staff, Wesley McGriff back on the staff, and uh, some other things. So what did you think overall? What would you grade out the staff for this uh, this offseason? Uh, so I – I, I my grade for that I want to give it a C, but I'm actually going to give it a B minus because uh, retaining Cadillac Williams and McGriff I think that boosts it up. The only reason I would say C is I'm not familiar with these other guys. I, I'm just not, um, and so I, I'm putting that about as middle ground as I possibly can because they're guys that they have had some success but they've also guys that have had some not so much success they're some guys i've kind of heard their names but i just i don't know a lot of these guys i mean these are guys the vast majority of that staff are guys that hugh freeze knows and that he brought in here and i do trust what he's doing i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt but none of the names are those earth-shattering you know oh my oh my gosh they got this guy Oh my holy crap you know they just they just brought in bobby petrino to run the offense you know not a name like that they just brought dave aranda in to run the defense you know it's nothing like that they're guys that are just kind of out there it's like we'll see but you're gonna i'm gonna go to be minus because you did keep on some of the biggest names that you had to keep mainly for recruiting purposes and things like that so B minus for me as far as the coaching staff goes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna uh, land toward the B B minus area because I I do like you know bringing in uh, or retaining Cadillac Williams. I think that was a big move for Hugh Freeze. Um, I, I did like the move of having uh, Zach Etheridge on, on the staff, um, but 
when it came to the coordinators. And I, I'd, I'm fine with the Phil Montgomery because I, I do like that, you know, Hugh Freeze is coming back to the SEC and he's going to have another guy that has head coaching experience working along with them to, to form that offense. But Tulsa's offense was just eh. And it, it wasn't, you know, like this blowing people out of the water in the, the American Conference last year. Um, and it, it really has never been the, you know, we're going to blow. There's been a couple years where they've had a pretty decent offense, but it it's it's never been this whole, you know, wow, look at Tulsa's offense kind of deal. And so I, I, I want to see what happens there with the Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery merger. And then the Ron Roberts defensive coordinator, I mean, he's a, he's a fine defensive coordinator, but you look at what he's done at uh, Baylor, and, you know, there's so many good offenses in the Big 12. There are, I say good offenses, high-scoring offenses in the Big 12. They didn't really limit anybody last year uh, in, in their Big 12 play. Um, the, the big, you know, the, they – Looking at the lowest points they gave up in conference play, I think was 17 points to Texas Tech. Uh, but everybody else, they gave up in the 20s and the 30s uh, when you hit uh, when you when you're in a Big 12 action. And so, I I, I think he's a fine defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, it's like you said, Tom. These are guys that Hugh Freeze knows. Uh, I, I I'm going to trust him to put together his his own uh, his staff. But until unless they prove something. Um, going forward, I'm still I'm going to go B B minus somewhere in there, mainly because of getting uh, some Auburn guys in that kind of you know know the scene, what's going on on the scene. I hate to not offer up any controversy, but I'm also going around a B. Uh, you know, I will give it just solid B. I think that the Montgomery part may be slightly more appealing than Ron Roberts. However, I appreciate that Ron Roberts does have a different style of defense than what we're used to. I'm, I'm excited about. The opportunity to see that part of it, and he worked with Dave Aranda, who was right. a really Great good defensive, defensive coordinator, guy. and and they were good defensively two years ago when they went to the Big Twelve title, uh, two years ago. So that, that that it wasn't just devoid of success, although last year was clearly not as good of a year. So again, I think that's probably in a vacuum, like a, a B minus higher. I think Philip Montgomery also probably around that that C plus B minus higher, just because he was a good coordinator. That was a long time ago. I'm also, I hate to be like this, and we'll see, but, you know, there's going to be, gosh, and I don't even want to bring this up, really, there's going to be times this year where everyone's going to be questioning who called what play. Yeah. And I just, (laughs) I don't want to do that song and dance again, honestly. Um, We'll see what kind of comments Hugh Freeze makes in the fall, but I think if you talked about it in the spring, like, clearly... It's Montgomery's going to have input and and make some calls, but also Freeze might call certain situations. So we'll see how it actually pans out. Obviously, the Cadillac bit very important. That was an A deal. I I think that another important one, obviously, as you mentioned, was Zach Etheridge, and he's being proven to to be a quality uh, secondary coach. And I think the secondary will be good. I like that. There's a fair amount of Auburn flavor. I know some people will think that's a criticism, but Marcus Davis in as wide receivers coach, Wesley McGriff, who's been here multiple times now. Um, I, I think I think that the position coaches, and granted, I'm not going to have the full scope I do like I, I have with coordinators, but I think the the position coaches are a little maybe better on paper of hires than the coordinators. But we'll see. Again, I agree with you guys. It's in the B, B- range. Um we're going to commit to just doing three of these today. We'll have like a part two of this when uh, us three are on the show again at a time to be determined because we won't be on next Tuesday because of 4th of July. So, uh, But you, you adjust the things on the fly. 
So we'll do one more before we go to break. And let's do the high school recruiting part of it. And the off-season is the off-season. So we're going to count not only what they've done for the 23 class when they finish the 23 class, but also what they've done so far with 24 and beyond. So how would you grade the high height, no portal, just high school recruiting part of it? Uh, right now I'm, I'm going to go B. I, I, I'm ready. I'm so itching and ready to boost that to an A when, it, if, when and if they can get some of these five-star guys coming in here. But I, I can't give it a five. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't give it an A until they start bringing in the five-stars. They've gotten some fours, so good. The vast majority of it kind of been the threes, you know, kind of your middle of the road guys. So I'm B, uh, mainly because they're filling needs. That's the biggest thing right now is uh, filling big time needs to to fill out that roster. So that's a boost. And they are also, it's not like they're loading up on unrated guys or two star guys. I mean, they are getting the threes, they're getting some fours. But yeah, I can't. I, I just can't go. I can't give them an A until the five stars start rolling here. The the true blue chip guys that really shift the the landscape of what you're looking at in recruiting. They have not crossed that bridge yet. So until they do that, it's just a B. If we were if we were just com- if we were comparing this this performance to the previous regime's performance, I'd give it an A because it, it's been oh, up, yeah. and, up and away better. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going with Tom. I'm going to I'm gonna lean a little bit more. I would say it's a B to maybe a B plus um, for them because they're not just getting into the high schools that – you know, have the five stars and the, the, you know, they're not getting just getting into the Auburn highs and the Phoenix cities and the Hoovers and the Thompsons and going in there that you've seen. And, and I've mentioned this before, but we've seen several times and, you know, we we're proud to carry Beauregard uh, athletics on the station. Uh, we've seen Beauregard's football recruiting tweet several times since the Hugh Freeze uh, hire that they've had Auburn coaches into their facilities to meet with the players and to, to recruit their players. And so the fact that you're going to, you know, the not just the Hoovers and the Thompsons and, and the Auburns and the, the, the Phoenix Cities and the big schools, but you're going to the Beauregards, you're going to the Lochapokas, you're going to the smaller, you know, the, the lower down schools. And when it turns to AHSAA class, um, that I think you that deserves a B plus. Now, I'm with Tom. I think that you start landing some of these five-star kids, you start winning some of these battles with, you know, the Georgias and the Clemsons and the Alabamas for these five stars at the, at the high school level. Uh, it, it immediately gets bumped up to an A of what they're doing. But I'd say B to B plus right now because I, I, I really appreciate as a, as a fan of high school athletics um, that they're getting not just into the big schools, but they're going all throughout the state and hitting all the high schools. Well, again, I can't I'm not going with something dramatically uh, warmer or different than, than you guys. Uh, I'm going with a, a B plus for this because um, normally, if you just said Auburn, I think they finished with the number 17 class for 2023 and they're in the t- mid-teens right now. That, to me, would feel more like a C plus, like just in a vacuum because Auburn expects to be a little higher than that. Like its norm is probably in the – 8 to 12 range and then if you get above 8 then that's like an A cuz that's that's tremendous that's that's where you need to be but the reason I'm still going B plus instead of like a C plus B minus is because of just how far fallen this this recruiting cycle had been for them they were in the 60s when Hugh Freeze took this over and that deserves a little extra credit for 
patchworking a job that, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't have finished 60 something with Harson, but they weren't getting the top 25. You know, they, they would have probably ended the 30s or 40s, and it would have been uh, still the worst class in a very, very long time, if ever. And, and Freeze made it back into the, okay, kind of normal territory. And so that combined with the guys that they are knocking on the door of for 2024, they've already got a couple legit guys there and had to win a couple re- legit recruiting battles for those guys. If they start knocking these five stars down, that's when it absolutely does get an A. But I, I've skirted just short of that because the actual product in the recruiting cycle is short of an A so far. But uh, given where they came from, the momentum that they put on, they have been significantly better. And uh, they have gotten into the uh, a more acceptable place. They've gotten some positive momentum there. We're going to take our next time out of the show. We come back a little more on the Sports Call Report card. Also, a little bit on the Thunder Chickens as we get ready for for play tonight, and also a little bit of breaking news. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday. As we come back from break, uh, some very sad news to pass along. Tom, uh, this started circulating about 20, 30 minutes ago and it's been confirmed by multiple sources. Yeah, multiple sources now. Uh, yeah, I mean, this it first broke, I mean, literally as we were coming back on the air to start the 5 o'clock hour. But uh, sad news out of Arkansas. Former Arkansas and NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett has uh, passed away at the age of 35. Uh, the former Arkansas and NFL quarterback reportedly drowned in Florida on Tuesday and uh, was pronounced dead at the hospital. He was 35 years old. Uh, he's most recently coaching high school football at Whitehall High School in Whitehall, Arkansas. Uh, last played in the NFL in 2017 after a six-year career. Uh, everybody remembers how highly recruited he was uh, when he went to Arkansas. He began his college career at Michigan, uh, and then he transferred to Arkansas, where he played from 2008 to 2010. So, uh, yeah, just sad, shocking news when you hear of somebody that athletic, 35 years old, uh, drowning in Florida, man. So, uh Rest in peace, Ryan Mallett, and you know thoughts, prayers, and everything out to uh, all the Arkansas folks that uh, listen to the show. And uh, yeah, it's just sad time, man. Whenever something that shocking happens, yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely recall Mallett's teams in, in Arkansas. I mean, that was that that couple years there when they went Mallett and Tyler Wilson back to back when Petrino right. was there. That was probably the best Arkansas teams of this twenty first century, uh, and. Certainly, very sad news. Mount was a Patriot. I remember uh, on your Patriots Brooks and, was, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough tough one. Again, loss of life always difficult, especially that, a, that unexpected, uh, yeah, and that young. Yeah, that's that's a rough one. 
Yeah. Want to hit one or two more of these report card items before we really run down on time today. On the other side of that break, we evaluated the coaching staff this offseason and the high school recruiting part of it. So let's turn that recruiting into portal recruiting. Grade the portal recruiting this offseason for Auburn Tigers. Uh I, I gotta. I'm gonna go B plus on that. Um, I, I'm very close to the A, the B plus, uh, because you filled out needs. You, you you definitely filled out your needs. Uh, I still, I'm hesitant to go A because I still think there were some guys that they wanted that they missed, and so that kind of hurts. But uh, you know, jury's still out on some of these guys. I mean, I think you. I think you have put yourself in a very good position, quarterback wise. With uh, with getting the kid out of Michigan State, and uh, and I think you've put yourself in a. They got a good running back transfer, didn't they? Or am I am I completely? Brian uh, Batty. Oh, Batty, yeah, from so, South Florida. Yeah, from South Florida. So, um, some some positions of need. Um, several offensive linemen. Se- right, several offensive linemen. But but, it, but again, it, it kind of like. Uh, you know, kind of like with the high school recruiting, you you filled needs. You you definitely, I think you definitely filled a need at quarterback, which could be the difference between a win or two. So I mean, that's very very important. However, again, like with the high school recruiting, there's not really one of those guys that just shifted the landscape. They just you know that as we talk about a shot across the bow of the SEC, where it's like, oh, holy goodness, like they just Auburn just went and got that dude. Oh wow! Here we go. It's like they got guys, and it's like cool. We need those guys. We need production out of you, and and let's go. Let's get after this. But there, I just don't think there was any one of those that just was earth shattering by any stretch. I'd also go B um, because it was again it was filling needs, but you went to the portal a lot more than what I think a lot of other teams did because you had so many needs to fill. And I like like Tom said. I don't think there was a really a, a guy that it was the oh my gosh it was that guy it was it wasn't there wasn't a and there really wasn't a lot of that guy in the portal this year. There wasn't you know there it, there was a few guys that you're like oh wow they're in the portal, but there wasn't really like a you know last year you had the Caleb Williams go into the portal and, and transfer to USC. There was really was not a wow that's you know this guy's in the portal we got to go get after him. I think the the this grade could go up exponentially. If Peyton Thorne works out and is a you know a, a really decent quarterback for the Tigers, he doesn't have to be in a Heisman contention or anything like that. But if he if he's able to help shift the Auburn program back to where it needs to be, and he can come in and prove that he's a you know a, a capable quarterback in the SEC, I think this this grade can go up uh, exponentially. You can get to an A uh, for this portal because of the quarterback position, because there's so much there's just need at that quarterback position, especially in an offense uh, like Hugh Freeze likes to run uh but right now i think a b you filled up your needs you you didn't go above and beyond what i think it was what was required um you you got a lot of guys the offensive line got a lot of help but it's just gonna the the big thing is gonna see how everybody gels into auburn how everybody comes in gels works as a team uh and then it could and how peyton thorne goes uh i think that, that could send the grade up we finally disagree, guys. There it is. There we go. I think it's an A, and yeah. uh, and here I think there's multiple reasons why. Uh, we don't underestimate what it means to change your destiny by a game or two. There's not many transfers that you can actually say 
that changes that team's potential and ceiling. Peyton Thorne's uh, arrival is a very relevant and important transfer. That, that to me, is the guy because automatically us at this show, everyone on social media, just a lot of people change the expectation what Auburn is capable of because of that one transfer. That is the it guy to me because it is a significant passing upgrade on Robbie Ashford uh, and on what Auburn Auburn had all of last year. So there's that part of it. They did fill their needs. They filled their needs, I think, in a very solid fashion. If you look at the projected depth chart, you look at some of these guys, it's possible half of Auburn's starters in 2023 will be from the portal. That is no small thing. And you look up the rankings for how Auburn did in the portal, the only team that they're consistently behind is Colorado. Well, guess what? Colorado had like 50 transfers. <laughs> so no no surprise. Yeah. Auburn consistently ranking in the top three in all the portal rankings. So if Auburn's not an A, no one's an A. Because Auburn did a really good job with what they were able to get in terms of quantity because they got – a lot of dudes, they got 20-something guys in, but also in quality because about half these guys, there's going to be a couple offensive line starters like Dylan Wade, who's going to be from the portal. A wide receiver like Shane Hooks is going to probably be a starter. Yeah, Batty is is someone's probably going to return kicks, but he also could have a role as the number two back if he's able to dethrone Damari also, but he's at least going to be a player. And then again, oh yeah, the quarterback thing, that could be worth a win or two. That is a very important thing. And then also starter-wise, there's going to be multiple pass rushers, as we talked about in the previous hour, that are going to play a lot for Auburn and going to be the most important pass rushers on the team. There's even going to be some linebackers, uh, someone like uh, an Austin Keys who's going to end up factoring in. So I think there's going to be five or six starters on both sides of the ball that Auburn got in the portal, and I don't wouldn't want it to be any more than that. That's an entire different team, and it really already is an entirely different team. But I, I think when you're talking about getting half your stars out of the portal, you're talking about high impact guys at both skill positions and at the quarterback position. It's got to be an A for me because I do think that they changed their ceiling in a real meaningful way. If you look around college football, other than Colorado, who basically had to because they shoved half their team out the door. I don't know if anyone else that really changed their ceiling in the way that Auburn has changed their ceiling this offseason. So that's three of the six items we had. We will not have time to get to some of the other things and we will think of a way to kind of do the other half and complete a report card. But every uh, couple couple B, or really all Bs from from Tom and Brooks, also Bs for me in the first two uh, segments, but an A right there. So we're kind of all in that B, B plus territory sure. for the offseason as a whole. So far with the first three items, again, there are three more items on there that we'll get to uh, at a later date, though. Well, it's also it's also nice right now to be in a recruiting talking a recruiting situation with Auburn where we can give B's or where you can give an right. A because we haven't been able to do that. Nope. We, I mean, it, it's been like doldrums, like uh, F. Yeah, it's an F because where are they at? D's get degrees? Question mark. Exactly. It's like you know. Hey, we need offensive linemen. Guess what? Let's not recruit any. Yeah. <laughs> it's like F. So, I, you know, it, it's nice to actually feel like there's some forward momentum going there with yeah. you freezing that staff. And, it, you know, especially on, in the high school ranks, because I know a lot of our, our callers call in and, and talk about how, you know, at, why aren't they targeting this guy at, at Auburn High or targeting this guy at Central Phoenix City? 
Well, now they are. You know, you, you see that you can see the work being put in. You see them on campus visiting that Hugh Freeze and the staff has is starting to go out and starting to get into these battles with the big boys of, you know, Georgia and Clemson and Alabama for these these guys, these local guys that have talent. We have time for one more phone call here on the Auburn Bank phone line for the show. 334-887-341 locally or toll free. one 888 Back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. You know, uh, Colorado went one and nine. What is it? Wait a minute. One and ten. Was it one and eleven last year? Uh, it was not good, but yeah, they something around that area. Yeah, one and one and eleven, two and ten, something like that. All right. Well, I mean, you know, if if you look at it this way, uh, you know, you're not giving a whole lot of time to turn a program around in, in, in today's time that everybody want it now and. Uh, you know, hey, uh, you can't come in in two years and, and uh, get things going and the honeymoon's over with and you've got to go. So with the transfer portal set up the way it is, even though it is a little unusual to get rid of that much of a team, over half the team, but to usher all those people out of the door and go ahead and uh, go to the portal, which you got a lot of uh, top talent that was somewhere else sitting on the bench that is ready to play right now and can help you win, but just didn't, uh, couldn't fit in where they were because the roster was just too heavy. So uh, he may be looking at uh, turning his program around quicker than uh, usual or whatnot, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But, but you know, I, I'm not upset with him, and I don't think any, uh, you know, you may have some people that might be upset because they got ties to certain players that might have been at uh, certain high schools or whatnot, relationships that alumni and uh, fans might have had or whatnot. That might ruffle some feathers or whatnot, but really uh, – should he, uh, what do you guys think? You think he should have just kept the players and see uh, a couple years what they might do, or, or, or did he make the right decision? Uh, it's kind of hard to say right now, but perhaps did he make the right decision by running all those people out of town and going to that portal as heavy as he did? And this is heavy as anybody's ever uh, done anything like this. Well, I, I certainly respect the 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 effort, and, and I think it's a very bold bold decision to do this and. Uh, unfortunately, the bolder decision you make, the more it needs to pay off for you. Like I think that if Colorado's three and nine or four and eight this year, then then it's going to be widely criticized more so than just a generic, you know, kind of gradual overhaul. Because I think that clearly Colorado's been in such a low place now for really most of the 21st century that I think there would have been a patience there, and there probably still will be, but there's going to be a patience there that would be a little bit better and more sufficient than some other places because it's in such a poor place. And I think people understand that it shouldn't look like a, a great program from year one. But I will say that when you change 50 of the players, all of a sudden people do change the expectations. We were just talking about Auburn changing, not drastically, but by a game or two their expectations because of the portal gets they had. Well, again, Colorado had double the portal, portal acquisitions that Auburn had. So you start to maybe get these – high expectations that still for there's still a lot of real problems that you have i mean you you did bring in a whole new roster but you also got a coach for the first time that's coaching against the fbs and just everything's so new it could go one of two different ways so i think it's bold and i appreciate how bold it is but it does lend itself to more criticism than what was probably necessary well you know uh like you said there, to uh, take a step like that. Auburn has uh, brought in some players that, and people are expecting things. You know, uh, based on what Auburn's brought in so far from what I've been seeing on social media and, and wherever I can hear here or there, 
I'm already going to go ahead and say Auburn can be an eight and four football team. Uh, they mess around and make a play here or there. They ain't got no business making or whatnot and, and gut it out at the end. They can very well, with the coaching staff they got, very well could be a team that didn't go bowling last year to a team that be eight and four. And Mike could knock off of Alabama because, uh, you know, uh, you know, Alabama's talented, but the big question mark, you got a big, big question mark at that quarterback position. You got to replace a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And uh, from what I've seen on what they got right now, I'm not impressed at all. Even though Miro might be big and strong and physical and kind of remind you of Jalen Hurts here or there, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to be able to get, get the job done if you're talking about you got to throw the football, uh, you know, and I just don't see that. But we'll see as time go on. But I want to say this. You guys remember Jackie Sherrill when he was at Mississippi State and, oh, and yeah. people crit- criticized him uh, when he go to the junior college and he'd bring in 10 or 12. He would sign 15 junior college players and then bring in maybe 10 high school boys. And, you know, sometimes that paid dividends for him and he messed around with bowling a time or two. But, but at some point the bottom fell out of that, kept on going to the junior college and then didn't develop any high school talent or or didn't uh, have any relationships with high schools, and uh, everything just fell out of the bottom of it, and he ended up uh, getting ushered out of town. You guys remember that very well? Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely remember Jackie Sherrill there. And, I mean, yeah, that was that was his big thing is going to the JUCO route and bringing those guys in. But, yeah, you're not going to be able to, uh, to sustain success like that. You have to be able to get the blue chippers from high school and get them in and, and do what you do. That's why Alabama's been successful. That's why Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State – these teams that are successful are successful by bringing in the blue chippers from high school. Uh, you guys are getting closer and closer. I bought one of those football magazines the other day, and I tell you, I got excited. Uh, you know, it's getting so close, 4th of July. And once uh, I get out of 4th of July, the media days are coming up. How, how soon? When is the media days? Sometime in July, right? Yeah, middle yeah. July. Yeah, I think the 17th through 20th. About three, or, yeah, about three, about three weeks. About three yeah. weeks. Yeah, three weeks. And then the first day of practice, uh, what, August 1st? Or? Yeah, fir- first week of August, yeah. Oh, man, it's almost here. I, I tell you, good God Almighty. We, we, I just can't wait. I tell you, and like a lot of other people, everybody want to wait and see what's going to be put on the field. But we're going to find out pretty soon with everybody. Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate the phone call, Anthony. Yeah, thanks, guys. Absolutely. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line down to just a minute or two left of the show now. But certainly appreciate Anthony calling in right there. Uh, one quick blurb on the Thunder Chickens. How many innings do we play tonight, fellas? Okay, the you, the run rule starts at fifteen after three. Okay, twelve after four, ten after five. You see, I think we've got a chance. Do we only play six innings tonight? I think we've got a chance to to extend it a little bit because have, every everybody's yeah. on a new a new ground. It's it's the first game for everybody, so everybody's going to be rusty. So I think we get eight to to ten innings in. Okay, four to five in each game. Oh, okay, yeah. You were holding up a four at me, and I'm well, like, that's I mean, not for possible, sir. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like per game. Four, I'm, I'm four to five. Mainly because, I mean, I, these two teams are teams that have been in the league before, yeah. and they're, they're teams that are very good. We know they're very good. We know they're teams that are just better than us. So, yeah. Uh, if we if we can survive these two and not get run-ruled in both of them, that, I think that will be a successful start to the season because these two teams are both like – they're they're like contenders for the championship at the end of the year. It's here. It we'll do here. like time to cluck up. Thunder Thunder Chicken post game tomorrow on the show. We'll <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes tonight. Time for a nightly TV. Got to get out of here. Our show is about to end. 
but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what we got? All right, two movie picks for you this evening, both at 6 o'clock. First on AMC, one of my favorite movies of all time, starring Tom Hanks. It's The Green Mile. Starts tonight. Long movie, so pop, You're a popcorn. big Stephen King guy. I love Stephen King. Love Tom Hanks. Combination, unbeatable. Then at 6 o'clock on Freeform, maybe we'll have one of these stories in the Thunder Chickens this year. It's The Water Boy. Maybe someone on the bench will come out and be the star of the football team this year, or the the, uh, the softball team. Let's say that's that's not good either. Though. That's not going to help us. Six o'clock on Freeform. It's the Water Boy. Uh, sports for you this evening. Athletes Unlimited softball back in action starting at six o'clock tonight. As Team Warren takes on Team Leach, followed by Team Garcia taking on Team Leach. The ser- season finale of uh, Athletes Unlimited softball tonight. CONCACAF Gold Cup action also tonight. Canada takes on Guadalupe and some Group D action. Follow that up at uh, that's at 6 o'clock on FS1. Follow that up at 8 o'clock on FS1 by Guatemala versus Cuba. So some uh, good CONCACAF action there. And then Major League Baseball action tonight at 6 o'clock on TBS as well as Bally Sports South. Your Atlanta Braves host the Minnesota Twins looking for the series win tonight. You can also listen to that game over on, over on our sister station AM 1230 WAUD. And that, my friends, is a look at the Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that. Brooks, yeah, we didn't even really get to uh, the Braves today. They won again last night, in case you're wondering. They're, they're, they're still good. playing they're, good baseball. They're good. Still good at it. We'll talk more about it throughout the week. They're Brooks. also better than the Thunder Chickens. Yes, they are. We would definitely get <laughs> run ruled in the least amount of innings possible. Uh, Brooks, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again later this week. See you then. And Tom, thank you for being here today as well. We'll see you again tomorrow. Uh, yeah, and I'll see both of you here in, in the ballpark in an hour. About an hour. hour. Hour and a half. Sounds good. That will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night. Go Thunder Chickens, and we'll see you again tomorrow.